if I sound like a bit of an asshole here? Vancouver, this place is crazy. I'm sorry if I sound like a bit of an asshole. This place is crazy. Hello and welcome to 2022's final episode of Van Shitty. And I think my first returning guest, other than Joel, who did a double episode at first and then did a second. It's not important. Uh, everybody, welcome Charlie Kerr. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, that was the uh, applause. This is the studio audience applause. Uh, Charlie Kerr is an actor and a musician. He is about to uh, move to Los Angeles. We're all really sad out here. You know, I'll ask him some questions about that. Um, and is on the verge of releasing a new album. Yeah, yeah, that's um, been announced and um, uh, when is it coming out uh sometime next year um, nice uh kind of a great deal of kind of moving to la was kind of the line up with the release nice yeah that, that makes sense i um, love it it's very good yeah i mean um and then yeah and then also kind of the content of the album i don't think um there's a bit of whatever life imitating art and art imitating life in it like i I mentioned Mm -hmm. i mentioned moving there a lot i mentioned entertainment a lot i mentioned um uh identity and and uh um dreams and 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 specifically kind of the the risk and uh uh yeah, Silver Lake. You're, you talk yeah specifically about locations in Los Angeles and people. I mean, you don't talk about you don't name anyone, but you. It's clear you're talking about people you've known in Los Angeles mm-hmm. or experiences you've had out there. So it's very um, and and just like the the fear of it all. There's an entire song yeah. that's kind of worst case uh, scenario that kind of goes into what uh, the you know. Yeah. ego and and irreparable damage um that is not necessarily like compulsory to being an entertainer but like yeah. a likely side effect i think I, I don't think that um a bird's eye view on yourself um is a bird's eye view on yourself that is so kind of um shallow and conditional i don't think can be good for the psyche yeah no i I totally agree and also um i should say that if you want to have a taste of the album um as a listener uh one of the songs is already available on spotify it's called eventually and you can find it just by searching for hotel mira thank you so much i mean that song as well like is um like it's a lot about um identity and and Mm -hmm. um kind of uh I don't, I don't want to say this like as like a um like a sweeping statement of like um 
that I disapprove of this or I approve of this. I've just noticed this, I think, but we are in, um, I, th I don't know exactly what the cause of it is, but I think people have maybe more trouble with um, fantasy and reality being one thing yeah yeah and, and um wanting things um from people to line up to their um kind of uh idea of, of of what they want as the protagonist of their story so the protagonist of life yeah as it were yeah. in general yeah you know wow i mean you know, I always find that in these conversations, I, I plan for them to go a certain way, and then they immediately go to the place that I was kind of expecting them to go last. <laughs> Which is good, though, because I, I'm, I mean, these are the topics that interest me. Yeah. So what's been on the tip of my brain recently, um, and the, the album is a lot about this, is mm -hmm. it, just like what you said, projection versus reality. So I've been thinking about that in the context of relationships and how social media has really fucked us. Yeah. Um, in terms of, especially Instagram, I will say, I almost feel bad that it's the one I decided to keep. Mm. Um, because never before in human history have we been able to start a relationship with a catalog in our pocket of people that accessible at all times, addictive of people that we could date, be dating instead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like you always like like a normal. I want, what's normal there's no normal but let's say 30 years ago you know you'd have the thought you mm -hmm. know i have this or that celebrity crush maybe you know like i really like marilyn monroe yeah yeah healthy you know paragon of uh sort of <laughs> everything that you would want in a partner uh no trauma uh but no you know like a mar a mass marketed vision of what you should want yeah and but then you know, and then you would have these thoughts about these people in your life that you don't really know in any meaningful way. Uh, you know, parasocially, maybe, yeah. you know, you saw them at a party and you're like, well, what if I picked up with them by choosing this person, this paradox of choice, like that I'm about to spend all this time with and invest a great deal of my life into? Am I closing off the possibilities with all of these potential things? And yeah. You know, I was talking to um, a former guest on the podcast, uh, Hunter Elliott, about it, and we, he said something like, and you know that the majority of the people in your single life that you met over the last year that you had conversations or dates with that were part of this mass of people that could potentially have made you happier, you end up not connecting to in any meaningful way at all. Uh, so... Yeah, it does feel like love and connection are getting advertised to us in a way that makes us, it makes it very, very hard to stay focused and, and really connect in a deep way to other people. Well, I, like, this might be taking too much of a swing, uh, but um, I think things probably work better for the powers that be if, if, if we are kind of um, in that state of like what my friend likes to call like boy shopping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just go on your phone and go boy shopping uh, or, you know, what have you. Um, I think that there is a really true, amazing thing about how you don't 
need much else when something really clicks with somebody. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're buying less products. You might, might think that there's, um, less wrong with you and you know there's there's so many kind of um yeah uh i think uh things that um whatever kind of capitalize off of 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 um what being so kind of uh yeah um uh uh Mm-hmm. no i i get what you're yeah. saying it's it's like the things that that actually satisfy us as human beings are are notoriously difficult to sell yeah 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 because that's, they, that's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah that's a good way to point it yeah because you know like like long-term you know vulnerable connections kind of put you out of the literally i mean it's 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 the shorthand that i would use even if i wasn't talking about marketing i would call it out of the market mm-hmm. right that that's the term that we use on the market off the market mm-hmm. for the we, we don't think about it, but that's what we say when we're talking about relation. We're literally talking about advertising ourselves and shopping when we talk about relationships with other people. Generally speaking, I'm on the market, um, you know, I'm browsing, you know, like uh, Tinder and Hinge and all of them, they kind of feel like Amazon. Yeah, no, certainly. And, and there's probably like not a great, psychology to again trying to um uh separate yourselves into like um your attributes that that make yeah. you attractive and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and and uh and curate kind of um a personality and then thinking you can't uh betray that because that's what you, you know got you, you the, got you um the interest um and i think for some people they'll be upset you know if you ever do betray it mm-hmm. you know some people really yeah um, signed up for um yeah. a very particular uh thing and, and that thing's not a um a flawed, complicated human being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of topics. I mean, uh, talk. You know, it's so interesting. We got into this so soon. Wow. Well, I guess it's because we to to catch the listener up. We, me and Charlie, have been talking for the last hour and a half anyway, mm-hmm. and it's just an extension of a longer conversation that we've had over the course of years. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna get to this kind of place sooner. But um, I think about uh, what was I gonna say. Um, no, and then I lost the train of thought. <laughs> well, um, uh, we're encouraged to objectify. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Maybe on a scale that is um, a total head fuck, and yeah. then and then porn is an absolute head fuck that oh, isn't fuck going yeah. anywhere. No, yeah, yeah. It's the, that is a whole nugget that I can't even like. Yeah, it's it, that's a mess. That's and that you know, I mean, it's part of the category of things in human society that everybody interacts with, but that it's still taboo to talk about. Which is which allows it to keep being unanalyzed in that way. Yeah, it's well, 
Um, just, yeah, what I'm trying. Uh, we're in a, we're in a puritanical yeah. air, uh, stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're not, a, it, there's a lot of things, but I will say that, um, there has been, there's been some good things about this, the age that we're in, like, for instance, the overexposure and like the the fact that everything is at our fingertips it has revealed um a lot of emperor has no this is what we were talking about oh, last yeah, time God, yeah, before yeah. we started emperor has no clothes right you know i think that in the late 90s um and 80s even you know i i think we really did view movie stars as gods mm-hmm. you know and we viewed politicians as these like upstanding citizens yeah and i think the truth is is that was that was never true. You know, I even think back on Trump and Hillary and mm-hmm. I think about how our thoughts have evolved. So when they were running against each other, I think the dominant sort of thought process from most people was this is a vulgar piece of shit. And none of my thoughts on Trump have changed, actually. Mm-hmm. But you see him and you're like, this is a vulgar piece of shit that should have no chance of winning like dumbass, like mm-hmm. reality TV star mm-hmm. versus a real politician. Mm-hmm. Now, like you know get all of your thoughts about her morality or whatever aside you kind of just thought like oh, okay this is the kind of person that should be that we've come to expect mm-hmm. to run the country versus this like total id, id monster mm-hmm. and then we've had a lot of these deconstructions since when we're like no wow the political class is actually like a bunch of really fucked corrupt insecure people yeah and we never should have let those kinds of sort of inauthentic people run the world and they kind of led to an opening for people like uh the trumps of the world and the sort of the monsters that we're seeing come up and and so i do think that there's things like the the will smith slap mm-hmm. you know that you know like the, this vulgarity on full display of the people that we used to think were gods that while it's not good it, it's ugly to see it does remind us that we're all human and we're all flawed yeah i suppose i agree but just like something that i can't help but like think about is just like like (laughs) mythos and, and storytelling and celebrity yeah is still really really like powerful and deceiving when i think about um johnny depp and how um much he's um gotten away with because people liked him in a couple movies 20 years ago yeah no i i agree um and that whole circus you know and and just how many people um came out of the woodwork to um throw a tomato at amber heard um yeah uh, totally it's it's just it's like i agree we kind of have more Mm -hmm. information in terms of like people being more um flawed and complicated but then there's this total um, uh, oh, that other hurts. aspect where they're just still entirely um, uh, uh, 
worshipped and coddled. Yeah, our whole that whole trial was like a disgusting like. Wasn't a good look. No, I mean, just uh, I, I, I really, I don't think I made a single comment, and, and it was not really um, typical of me at the time. I used to post my thoughts on everything. But I really, I don't think I made a single comment on that trial, and I actively tried to avoid it because it's just the whole idea of that kind of thing that, you know, our legal system is fucked. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that never was going to make it better was televising it. Yeah. Like, that's like, like, there's a lot to fix about the legal system, but the fact that it's not televised is not one of those problems. Again, it's like everything being entertainment everything being entertaining everything needing to be uh, a spoon full of sugar to make the information go down there's no um there's no that's a bottomless pit yeah i mean it's that it's truly a bottomless pit and um and the other thing about that is just with the way a lot of social media is set up, with the way a lot of rating systems are, uh, are set up, with with an attention economy, and we know that the only thing um, any of it yeah. cares about algorithmically is engagement. Yeah. So if we can create um, something as polarizing as that trial, and then people know yeah. how much um, engagement they're going to get from having... Uh, a take on that trial in yeah. any direction and absolutely it kind of it kind of like speaks to a whole bunch of things that are mm-hmm. uh is it good is it bad who cares it's engagement yeah, who cares? yeah. It's, entertaining. it's neutral i can't stop watching this mm-hmm. i can't stop watching Aim, this because, amoral. Yeah. because it's so um yeah it's vitriol yeah. like it's it's um it's a train wreck um and um yeah and i think yeah it's it's um it certainly makes um being an entertainer uh or a storyteller um it gives it a separate uh layer of um ethics that i think should be um uh thought about and explored i think the profit motive really does fuck a lot of things i watched an interview randomly uh i don't even know where i was from but it was an interview with matt damon i think it was like just some 60 minutes interview Mm -hmm. and he was asked a question about like why it was a question that was on a lot of people's minds when uh the interview was done which was why uh are there so few 30 million dollar movies now that go to theaters Mm -hmm. You know, because nowadays, movies at that level, they tend to go straight to Netflix or anything like that, like yeah. straight to streaming. And it's very rare that, like, a mid-budget drama, which used to be the bread and butter of award season, will sort of get made and get a proper theatrical. You know, even the movie we were talking about, and it kind of dovetails into the conversation that we were having, Knives Out, uh, Glass Onion, which is kind of at that budget level. And... You know, its predecessor, you know, Knives Out 1, did get a, a classic theatrical release, but mm-hmm. then the rest of the series bought out by Netflix, you know, and gets a two-week theatrical run. But anyway, uh, what he said was, when Netflix came out, um, 
DVDs and streaming became more popular. D DVD sales plummeted, obviously. I mean, the death of the video store, we all remember that. And that was a form of revenue where a lot of people got... Uh, a lot of films got a second wind on DVD and buying physical media was like a, a big way to revitalize films and even get them like if they get nominated for awards and they have good DVD sales, you'd get like a second theatrical run out of them, especially if they get an Oscar nomination and an Oscar win. Right. And then I put something together that I didn't even like it was in my head because I, I think I had seen it. uh <laughs> I, it, it made me depressed, but it also made sense because I had I, I had seen something about uh, Harvey Weinstein. I'd watched the documentary kind of chronicling his downfall. Yeah. And the, something they were saying that, that at the time before Me Too and for a couple of years beforehand, his stock as a producer was falling. Mm. And I realized I put those two things together. Mm. See... Harvey Weinstein's ability to like aggressively get his films nominated for Oscars wouldn't have been as profitable anymore without DVD sales. Right. Because uh, Oscar nominated movies get a big bump in DVD sales. Right. And also um, like and theatricals. And if things just go straight to streaming and live there nowadays, most people are going to like they only go to theaters for the big productions. Mm -hmm. So it's just sad and cynical that when Harvey Weinstein started to become less of an economic powerhouse, that just happens to be coinciding with when people stop protecting him. I mean, that uh, I think that's emblematic of a lot of a lot of uh, yeah things we will. Um, excuse as like and it's um, in it's a in society like if you're um yeah there, there's a lot that that um that's in the movie too that's yeah. in glass onion i'll try to speak around it so that i don't give like a like speak about it vaguely so that i don't give spoilers or whatever but um that whole like oh no i saw it i think you know what i'm talking about and anybody who's listening who's seen the movie will know the, the flip when yeah. when all of a sudden you can't get something from someone yeah yeah you know what i mean i've seen that happen way too often yeah and, and that speaks to the johnny depp amber heard thing right it's that like it, it's the audience feels that they have more to gain from a continuation of johnny depp's career versus amber heard's yeah yeah and and those people to them whether they realize it or not they're not actually invested in them as people because they don't fucking know them they're invested in them as cultural products yeah like their box office successes yeah. and um like you said cultural significance is somehow being taken into consideration <laughs> yeah yeah because we and it's not it's just like we think right because we see leaked naked photos of people and we see people you know recordings of them losing their minds and we see them being vulnerable in their art that we know them right this there's this illusion and we forget that we we don't we don't know anybody we we I, don't know anybody I'm, we barely I'm, know the people we're closest to yeah i um yeah maybe i'm naive i get very like whoa 
that was going on all along. Oh yeah. Oh, I get, I get, <laughs> I get gobsmacked by yeah. things all the time. And, yeah. And it's, it's hard not to get, um, cynical, um, in a, in a, in a strange direction. Um, because so many people have like, you know, used a really wholesome PR or aesthetic um you mean like ellen yeah uh to kind of um uh protect or get people off the scent yeah yeah i mean i think cosby is the biggest certainly yeah um but um what i hate about that and um i think yeah it's truly heartbreaking is is um uh how n- there's a, a chunk of my mind that sees people being kind wholesome etc whatever it is and and because of um whatever previous instances uh there's a part of me that um considers kind of like what are what are they hiding with 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 an image like that and it's so against kind of yeah all my favorite people you know like fuck mr rogers and stuff like i i totally get that you know what i mean like i i want people to be able to be um kind and and open and and kind of uh uh, lead by example in an amazing way and it's it's so frustrating that some people have taken mm-hmm. that um and uh and turned it into a uh into a, a costume yeah shield um, yeah to to kind of um uh to to hide um um you know uh yeah horrible actions and and how um yeah how how that can um yeah just make 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 us even more cynical yeah well virtue signaling right like that yeah virtue signaling is the term yeah 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 that's um and uh i I have um a lot of mixed um thoughts um, about that because i i also just want to believe that um People are good. People are cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I have two things to, about that. Yeah, one please, is, please, please. Uh, one is that I think like uh, the people that did get caught with their hands in the cookie jar, for lack of a better term, we all we always kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like to me, there was always something off about Ellen. Like there's something off about a person who uh, goes to ball games with George W. Bush, one of the greatest war criminals of our time. Like there's a certain artifice to being a kind of a staunch capitalist lover of all sides type person who also like has built their brand around representing a marginalized community Mm. like that there is there was always an artifice to kind of and like to like i don't know cosby always made me uncomfortable maybe it's not the case for a lot of people but for me mr rogers never did yeah yeah. you know what i mean like i never uh i never got the ick from him the way i did you know there's something like i always got like 
another one, um, you know, obviously is, you know, we won't talk about him too much, but Spacey is another one because, you know, his ick, he kind of went the other way where he played into it, where he played these despicable characters throughout his career and these sort of creepy, lecherous, flawed... It's, I think, you know, that's the other way to go, to lean into it as oh, opposed like a, to like create Crystal, a... Yeah, 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 like yeah, Crystal, yeah, yeah, to yeah, kind of, like yeah, pedophiles. you know, to play like that slick back <laughs> piece yeah. of shit, you know? Um, <laughs> but um, I think, well, I mean, I think, look, one thing is... I think that as a culture, like the way I feel at this point is I feel like our punitive system is a horror show, right? Like, so like the, the baseline ju criminal justice system that we have, it's, it's racist, it, it, it uh, it's classist, it imposes trauma on people who commit crimes because they're in trauma. So like even violent crime, like, like, let's forget about the horror show of prosecuting people for being addicted to drugs, possession, <laughs> things like that. You know, let's talk about the crimes that we really consider evil, you know, like violence and things like that. Even those, for the most part, unless somebody is a true sociopath that comes from a privileged background, you know, like the, 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 most of those criminals don't even go to jail. But they're certainly the minority of people who are in jail, like the Ted Bundys of the world. Sure. Like they're very niche. And... Also, culturally, violent crime has been going down for a very long time anyway, despite the fact that incarcerations have been going up. So. Oh, wow. When you look at these cultural, like, cancelings, as, as you would call them, and I'm, I don't believe in cancel culture as a concept. I think that it's a, a silly thing to equate accountability to, you know, like, I, I don't know. I'm more, it's more nuanced than that, but I think the complaints are a lot of people anticipating uh, some sort of retribution for them accidentally tweeting something and that never comes because it's very rare that that does happen. And also, you kind of have to be renewed before you can get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean? there's a... Um... But... Yeah. I, th I think there's lots of... Like, we, we as a culture, because there's so much injustice... We have this bloodthirstiness mm. where we want to see people go to jail. Oh, certainly. You know, we have... And, and even when it's righteous, I do think that it's too much like the tw the town square in, um, you know, in medieval France or whatever, you know, wanting to see people guillotined. It's like, you know, on the one hand, you are right to be angry. Like, I think anger is a very valid human emotion. And I think that it's one that needs to have its day and it needs to be processed. Like, I think that we all have the right to our anger when we've been hurt. Mm -hmm. But then I also think, like, don't endorse, especially in the States, but a lot of countries in the world, like, endorse a criminal justice system that ends in the death penalty and incarcerates so many marginalized folks and things like that. Like, that's that system is not the solution. Especially when the prisons are privatized. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's a great... Yeah, um, they profit off free labor, right? Great like deal of uh, monies being made off that. Yeah. And the cops are not even prosecuting the right people. Most people get away with it. Like, but, when it, but we're so helpless, right, that whenever one of these big outrages happen or we figure out that somebody that we like turns out to be a huge piece of shit. Mm -hmm. It's never like, it's like, how can we throw this person in jail, throw away the key? Uh, never. How do we rehabilitate and forgive? Is it, is forgiveness possible? Well, I think part of that's like, because you'll never be 
Um, you'll so rarely be face to face with that person, yeah. know what they came from, know where they're yeah. going. Um, and like, again, it's like this confusion of reality and this thing you're performing and them essentially being the same thing at this point yeah um and how yeah you have your characters that you play as an actor or a musician but then you also have the persona that you do on social media that's like either you know a big contrast or whatever that is or something because whatever it is like it's all so there's so many layers of artifice yeah that um that i do on like this macro scale think um because so much of it is is happening over um uh uh twitter and it's just it's just a headline yeah twitter and you don't feel the like um you don't really feel the pain of either side somebody just kind of whatever makes makes a glib joke or or like a yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A you big, don't see the look on somebody's face when you really hurt them yeah the big declarative statement of of who they are and i do think a, a part of that is um thinking they're a fictional character well, and, I, and having having had lost having having lost touch with um uh genuine um connection mm-hmm. uh uh because if everything's entertainment then by you know yeah the same laws of logic then everyone's just playing a character and we don't have to um worry about what 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 happens to them after the screen goes black right and and we all yeah. have our choice of when the screen goes black we can yeah we can turn off and we not even you know the thing for where we are right now right is the screen never goes black right right like we have this endless stream of content sure so i mean you know we all do it like you do it i do it everybody who's listening probably does it except for the rare person who happens to be listening to a podcast that doesn't do the thing where they're watching a thing on their laptop have something in the background on their tv and are scrolling through their phone at the same mm-hmm. time that so that they so that they never have a moment where they have to be alone with their thoughts yeah and again it's it's like i have a friend who greens out on purpose mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like smokes too much weed on purpose because she doesn't want to be alone with with her thoughts as they naturally occur Right. And to me, whenever I smoke too much weed, it's the most horrifying experience yeah. I ever have. And she's like, yeah, no, it's absolutely terrifying or whatever. But I just appreciate being in another dimension for a little while. Yeah, I think that's like weirdly relatable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not that that's like my style, but I think usually um, a drug steps up to the table that um Mm -hmm. that reflects the psychic pain of a generation and i don't think it's like coincidental that ours is fentanyl no i don't yeah i don't think it's purity and i don't think it's like 
coincidental that people would be like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll roll the dice on this thing that is most likely to uh, kill me for, you know, blank minutes of peace. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, yeah, they, they go hand in hand. Um, um, yeah, no, the, the I, desperation. I had a very, I lost a very, very um, troubled, but, you know, uh, radically um, privileged um, friend um and uh yeah uh he um he died last summer and um he had a fentanyl addiction and and um you know was was it would go through um bouts of trying to kick it or whatever and and yeah um part of the appeal like you were just saying almost unfortunately is that we do and i do have by the way i do have a way to save this conversation from absolute nihilism mm-hmm. in my back pocket but let's go there oh no I, i'm 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 uh, uh I'm, no 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 but i, I do optimist and, and, and so am i yeah so lover. i, I, I just, do want to let the just, audience know who's yeah. like is this are, we, are these are we listening to two black-pilled uh, <laughs> no, re, no. Re, like black-pilled uh Far artists from it. no just, no of course want... no, no but i don't yeah. want i don't want to take away from your um expressions of the memories of your friend and what led your friend through, yeah. through the pain that your friend experienced to this horrible addiction because i think it's important to talk about openly and, and what I was going to add to it is it sounds like from what you were saying that part of the uh, appeal of that drug is its proximity to death, that we live in such a hopeless time. Yeah. You, you call it in your album, you call it the age of detachment. Yeah. Um, that we're detached from each other and we're attached to these projections. Certainly. And then also like... There's a lot of gray area with that too. Like I, I, I kind of went into writing being like being open saved my life. Being being, yeah. you know, uh, growing up with like a ton of secrets and um, not really having a great example of of somebody um, around me who who wanted to get um, deep and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, um, when I kind of was really in trouble, um, being open about things, having, having deep conversations, connecting with, um, people over very dark things kind of saved my life. But yeah, I, I maybe took it a, a little far, trusted the wrong people and found out why, um, yeah people pick guardedness yeah so like so totally so i have this strange um today i have this strange uh it's not a it's not a wag of the finger or or a tip of the cap to um the idea of detachment um it is a just acknowledgement of of um whatever anybody needs to get through um the day like listen if you're not doing anybody um any harm like the the world is remarkably cruel and people focus um their hatred in in 
such bizarre ways to to a lot of people who are just trying to um uh get along and if whatever if you want to like uh opt out yeah opt out of the, the yeah yeah, and, yeah like i believe me i get it i do i do too <laughs> but yeah yeah no I, know, I think that's more like what um uh, uh, I'm um, mm-hmm. thinking uh, about or, or trying to communicate is just. I think it all comes back to the same thing. Like I'm, I'm rooting for the human race. No, me too. No, and, and I think there's some good signs, right? I think, I think that. Um, I'll get into better signs than the one I'm gonna talk about, but I think about Elon Musk, you know, because he's kind of this elephant in the room of this conversation because he's the richest man in the world don't correct me if i don't care if somebody else is now he was for a long enough period of time but it really like we all know in a way that i don't think we did culturally five years ago or how like really recently like when you're the richest man in the capitalist world Mm -hmm. the implication more than anything else is that you're the winner of the world Mm. And everybody thinks this guy's a fucking loser. Yeah. Like, except for his most devoted fans or the the Ben Shapiro's of the world who are these, like, people, like, the last remaining, you know, unabashed, uh, like, defenders of capitalism, you yeah. know? Right? I mean, like, this guy, this guy is so weak, so desirous of love and, and can't access it for himself. He can't, he can't access, he can't hold on to a relationship, mm-hmm. Right. To his credit, I mean, like, he's had he has multiple children, and some of them have died in horrific ways. Like, this guy's got trauma in his past, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you look at him as this uh, loser, and, and I, it's so crazy because he's... Most people nowadays, when you talk, like, they're making fun of him on his own platform that he's, he's losing billions of dollars. He, you know, like... Everybody thinks of him as a loser, even though capitalism is rewarding him. Like we, we are so acutely aware currently as a society. I think a lot of people are, for different reasons, and we have different hypotheses for why. That the way that that our culture um, rewards people is broken, but there's an awareness of it now. You know where we don't respect the winner of capitalism, mm. like there's 10 years ago billionaires were superheroes you know they they would go on ellen and oprah and they would talk about like effective altruism and how to be better philanthropists you know bill gates was a god and you'd be like that's a good person you know or you would like you would be like elon musk is going to save the world with his electric cars right you know what i mean or 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 wow how do i be like jeff bezos who's like uh he is revolutionizing you know like the way that we ship things to each other etc like these people this this sort of this glom of like a few elites they're going to figure out renewable energy and they're going to figure out how and now that's all unraveled we saw the way that fucking bill gates like like horrifically because he's so obsessed with patent laws ever since he worked for microsoft kept the developing countries from producing their own vaccines you know, because he needed Moderna, a company that he had stock in, to keep the patents. And he, he killed, like, that that decision killed an unknown amount of people all over the world. You know, just greed, you know. Mm. Like, but these people used to go on 
fucking Ellen, who we were just talking about. Like, there's this unraveling where the, the those people not too long ago were the unironic heroes of our society, and now they're fucking losers. Yeah. I think yeah. that there's, like, an, a great deal of... Um, I hope this doesn't sound, like, contradictory of everything I've said so far. It might. <laughs> there's also, like, a wonderful, like consciousness kind of yeah uh, totally brewing and awakening there are so few um people i talk to who are just like yeah status quo like, no no is, nobody thinks so <laughs> yeah and, and it's like you know the other the other emblematic thing for those guys and the status quo in general right is they, do you notice all their wives left them yeah you know, all like they can't even keep the pe- like that's really emblematic of why it's broken. They can't not they probably couldn't keep the like marriages. Like you think about the fact that like Hillary Clinton stayed with Bill despite the entire world knowing he was uh, a cheater at best and a serial like assaulter of women of all ages at worst. Right. And she knew about it and she stayed with him uh, because of c- political capital. Right. Like, so these men's wives who are all leaving them en masse, you know, arguably they always knew that they were narcissistic pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. But now there's not even political or social capital in staying with them. I think that's kind of, that's a cool point. Um, like, it's it's it better for these people who are near them's reputation to distance themselves now. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is... I think maybe there is a um, there's a real value to having um, all these people who, as you put it, kind of won this game, and we all see their misery on full display, and and just how um, none of it um has uh resulted in in um whatever any any sort of uh peace of mind or um, no satisfaction um or yeah you know so so i think maybe having such a high profile microscope on um yeah this this man's misery um you know surrounded by um kind of and i have everything that like yeah little boys are kind of told um awaits them if they don't fuck up well i mean i just (laughs) read this book right um that i definitely recommend to all the listeners um it's called the the myth of normal it's by gabor mate oh cool yeah and um it really puts a lot of the things that we're talking about here into context and he's a local um local trauma researcher who worked a lot on the downtown east side uh and it's written by him and his son and he talks about how the political class and the celebrity class are incredibly traumatized people and you don't have to like look like traumatized from childhood you know or 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 even mid like you look at joe fucking biden like I I hated him. I because he, you know, because because he 
the system rigged it so that he would beat Bernie. Right. But I also know that this guy, man, in the late 80s, very close to when he wrote some of the most disgustingly racist uh, like prison uh, and, and crime bills in the history of America for either Republicans or Democrats, right? This guy lost his wife, his, his baby daughter, and his baby daughter in a car accident. And both of his sons were in that car accident. One of the sons made it out okay, and the other one got brain damage from it. Now, the son that made it out okay would later become a model son and who he thought would be his kind of, like, successor in politics. He fucking died of brain cancer, like, just as he was wrapping up the Obama presidency. No way. And the other son, with the brain damage, ended up becoming an addict and, like, kind of a liability on his political career. Now, like... That's a fucked up, traumatized man. You know, like, that's a, that's, that's a degree of pain that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Right. Like, I can't even imagine, like, losing your wife and your baby girl and then having two sons that are irrevoc- irrevocably fucked up. And it was happening during the, like, the pinnacle of his um, p- political career. It's when he won. It's when he was the youngest senator ever elected. Right? Like, he was doing his victory lap when that happened and it puts a lot of the things that he did into perspective right and the fact of the matter is a lot of these people like these people who yearn for the spotlight or who yearn to be important well again you know yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't choose entertainment because i'm no wildly well adjusted and like (laughs) no enjoy you know um uh you know what's what's going on upstairs um so there's that too where like the baseline of of somebody who wants um what's essentially an IV drip of attention and affection yeah um is probably um gonna gonna fuck a lot of things up <laughs> yeah no man I, <laughs> and, I, I, and I, you know. know what i mean and so it's like there's that too where it's like maybe maybe i have met re- i don't i don't think i've met too many um uh, uh, people who um, picked entertainment um, in particular, but you're right. Like, it's po- politics. It, politics is and it's sort of like power. I'm gonna be something that you know, like, and any sort of like, um, everybody's gonna face the same direction and watch me. National politics is entertainment. True. You know, like yeah. even provincial politics, because of the magnifying glass, is entertainment. Like, I, I knew this German kid I studied with. He died, um, mm. um, but I, I went to acting school with him, and he called uh, politics ugly theater. Yeah, no, it's, and it, it's like acting for those who don't have movie star good looks. I mean, it's no coincidence that like I 
before I like worked up the courage to just try to be an actor, I, I did two or three years of university debate with all these people who wanted right. to go into politics. Like, and, and, and it, the setup was essentially not funny improv where you would go up and, you know, argue about politics against people and then have it adjudicated, you know? Right. Like, it's not, it's not that different. It's just like, I really, it's the same weird storytelling bag of tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I realized that it was just self-serious improv. It was improv for people who actually thought they were changing the world. And you know how insufferable somebody who does improv, who thinks that, that it's an important art form is. So, like, you, you think about that without a hint of irony, without, a, without one joke that goes, ha-ha, yeah, like, I, you, you know, I know this isn't really important. You know, they, they really, the debate kids, they really thought it was important. Right. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll tell it's the same thing that you said. You know, I, I say it, I feel like I say it almost every other episode of the podcast that I literally, when I came into it, this acting specifically, was full on because of insecurity. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be looked at. I wanted to be good at something, even though I was shy and I was introverted. For some reason, I still wanted to be on stage. And I think that's because I needed as many people as possible to tell me I was good because I wasn't being kind enough to myself. Or even acceptable, right? Like, yeah. And you I, know, there, there's there's something so simple. It, it like there's so much dressing up of it that we do but like yeah <laughs> if i uh if i go under a different name if i wear clothes that aren't my own if i um present this that or the other thing yeah but it's still me up there um is that acceptable like that's that's the whole gig in this yeah. in this really like broken down shitty way how do i trick people into liking me more or less you know (laughs) and like by adorning myself in this persona and it's funny too like i've i've thought i kind of um overdid uh the idea of like i don't know um the the nobility of the entire thing uh, like mm-hmm. and the self-seriousness of acting i think i i really over overdid and and i i i thumbed my nose at stuff in a way that i'm not proud of like mm-hmm. weird shit like learning 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 in an acting class that like don't play the laughs that's like the worst thing yeah. that you could do or like that self-indulgent like phrases like that that we can weaponize against ourselves but the truth is is like if you get into wanting to be on stage at nine years old your impulse was not to tell like yeah (laughs) to, to be really faithful to like a playwright and their vision it's like no i i like the the warm feeling i'm not getting at home and so, yeah. like, there, there's, like, a cool spiritual, uh, oh, God, spiritual. I can't believe I said that out loud. But no, like, no. There's didn't. a cool, like, <laughs> thing that went on where, like, I wanted to um, invite that part of me on stage, um, whether it was in acting or writing or... Um, or getting on stage to sing or whatever, like I, 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 I try now to um, 
you know, let let the let the little performer in me who wants attention to have it. I get it. And I just want to say one thing too, a little yeah. flip it from what you said, which is something that I truly believe in. I don't think you should be embarrassed for using the word spiritual. I think that we can't let the people who, the white people who sell, the, the, no, let me finish the, the phrase. I think we can't let the white people who sell dream catchers on Etsy win the word spiritual. <laughs> I swear to God, I, it, it, because spirituality, I believe, is one of the basic needs of humanity. Like I, th- I think it's what is it is pretty much everything that's not material. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, look. I mean, it gets repackaged in the twelve step program, as you know, to right. be like you have to surrender to some sort of higher power, sure. right? Like it has to be whatever a higher power means to you. Sure. Uh, but it is it, it, feeling part of something larger is is a human need, and a word for that is spirituality. Yeah, uh, like it, it's a bit of a catch all. Um, and you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I uh, ultimately... Um, I try to find I, a better word for it, but it's the most universally recognized word for it. And unfortunately, nowadays, yeah, of course, we <laughs> we associate it with fucking New Age manifestation. And I realize the problem that I have, you know, because I've thought about these things for a long time. Yeah. The the with, with New Ageism, right? And I, re- I realized, and it's like, duh, it's the problem I have with everything. It's fucking capitalist, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, why do I hate about manifestation? It's not that like i agree that you need to intend something before you can do it that seems like it doesn't even need to have a rule around it that just seems like common sense like to do anything deliberately you need to think about it before you do it but the my problem was what is this whole cult of you need to ask the universe for money in a car i think the other thing about <laughs> you know no entirely but i think the other thing about manifestation that like isn't fair um and i let me speak from my own experience as somebody with um you know intense uh uh mental illness (laughs) yeah for sure um at my worst i think at any like listen i think if you have mental illness um Mm-hmm. you are looking in the couch cushions for, yeah, for a goddamn answer yeah anything um, that can help precisely so like um so i think that the, the thing that's really insidious about manifestation and then having mental illness yeah is um you know when, when things are that bad you'll buy into a lot of things without a ton of nuance so for me with manifestation, um, the language was so um, it's so easy to co-opt it into just everything is your fault. Yeah, yeah, that's what it, it, it. The way that it's framed is it inspires guilt, right? Because it's like, I mean, think about what you're saying, really, right? You're saying that everything you want in this world is just a wish away. So that means that your mind is broken in some way that you you can't wish right. Well, the opposite too, right? Like, again, if you have mental illness, if you ruminate in in really negative ways, and yeah. and you take that language on its on its face or on its surface, 
you will inevitably come to weird conclusions of i manifested the time i was sexually assaulted yeah i manifested every oh, failure i manifested every time i fucked up on the etc etc yeah right? and this radical control that it posits that you have where that's terrible like if and my thoughts created my reality and in a one-to-one way like that like that's so terrifying there's a good reason why your thoughts are sequestered from the rest of the world by the barrier between them and speech also just the toxic kind of positivity cult yeah is one um that i i can't align with kind of on principle because the other thing is like okay so especially in regards to the same thing if you're if you're desperate and ruminating and you're in this spin of mental illness where you'll try anything and somebody kind of says that your thoughts aren't positive enough and and you're having Mm -hmm. intrusive thoughts about like killing yourself and then you're demonizing them because they're not the ones that you want to be having and and then you're beating yourself up for a brand new reason that is even more oppressive than the than just like the standard um uh yeah uh, uh, um whatever the 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 factory parts uh uh beliefs that we get from these systems of oppression but i think the new age ones are incredibly dangerous also because they're just they basically rhyme with fascist ones oh absolutely and that's why though the you get a lot of alt-right new age overlap you get the wellness to alt-right pipeline totally because you know um, and it doesn't make sense because you would think that those people who are like commercial drive wellness people would lean left like by default because of how hippie like they are no the status quo is too powerful yeah the status quo is too powerful like everybody kind of underestimates how much um propaganda yeah swings people and and how 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 much they still have to um unpack and discard about what they believe from a status quo point of view people still don't they don't realize how much they reflexively think along party lines yeah like when people think about politics what do they think about they think about gay rights they think about legalizing drugs they think about abortion they think about um they they think about vaccines and why are those things always at the forefront because those are then they're all incredibly important issues i should say that i have strong beliefs on but why are they always the only ones we talk about when we talk about politics normally across the table it's because those are the only issues and a couple more that the two main parties in any given country actually disagree on (laughs) so we never talk about bombing other countries indiscriminately or giving tons of money to corporations or giving tons of money to war because you will never see a liberal or a conservative disagree on those right the liberals and the conservatives in any given western country will increase the military budget every year unfailingly they will give away more and more corporate subsidies unfailingly and so we never even have a public debate about those topics because there's agreement about that yeah it's it's said right like so the quote-unquote political controversies that we think really individuate us from each other like how we feel about vaccines or how we feel about abortion. Like we are being fed that those are the only issues that we should care about, despite the fact that there are people dying in Yemen right now. Like why do we 
why do we care so much about the Ukraine? Which we should, by the way. It's there's a lot of things we the the world we're inundated with things we should care about. Why do we care so much about the Ukraine? But we don't we didn't give a second thought at all to Yemen when those two atrocities are uh, on par. Well, you know why? So many questions, right? And it's because you know in America, it's because America was doing one and it was supported by both sides of their political aisle. You know, I mean, it's also because. Um... Ukrainian people are white and it's because Ukrainian people are white but but I mean that too right I mean it's you know and and it's and it's like honestly if you look at them objectively one is a lot less morally gray than the other right like in in the Yemen case it's Saudi Arabia uh, an incredibly rich country because of its investments from the west and their oil that have barbaric laws against women like the same kind of laws that the women are protesting against in Iran right. and losing their lives for are are the law of the land in Saudi Arabia. Canada and America sell weapons to and completely support Saudi Arabia and support them in invading neighboring countries and doing the exact same thing Russia's doing to Ukraine, mm -hmm. right? And it's a lot less nuanced there because it's a, it's a repressive capitalist theocracy destroying a poor country nearby, whereas if you look at Russia versus Ukraine, I do think Putin is a piece of shit, awful guy who, like, deserves all the worst things to happen to him. Like, he's a total psychopath, former KGB piece of shit. But there's also soldiers in the Ukraine that wear Nazi symbols. You know, and, and it's what I said even when that whole conflict started. I said a lot of liberals who are putting the Ukrainian flag on their... Uh, Facebook profile without a lot of thought are going to be really surprised when they see how racist Eastern Europe is. Because I'm from there and I know. I'm from a country that borders Ukraine. I know how fucked up and racist and like conspiratorial the average beliefs in these countries where their governments were overthrown and then no good government came in to replace them and they got overrun by corruption are. Right. Like, and that's the case for all of Eastern Europe. Right. Like my parents, right. They left Romania with a wave of educated, you know, like liberal minded people once the Iron Curtain fell. And it's like, what's going to be left over? It's going to be just the Trump supporters of every country. Wow. You know, like in America, there's like a war between the Trump supporters and the liberals, and then there's all these peripheral wars. But it's like, imagine if all the liberals just leave to go be in better countries because the borders are open now, right? So they all just go to France and England and Italy and all the nice countries. They go overseas like my parents did to Canada. And all that's left is the Trump supporters. Well, I, I, I hadn't... Uh... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's a very dense piece of information. I have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that but but that's where that sort of uh people are baffled and they can't contextualize how some of the people on the side that we're supporting have nazi symbols on them and white supremacist symbols and that's how these countries are intensely racist in a in romania it's still like you know you can you can you can beat the shit out of one of the romani people in the streets in romania and still be celebrated Right. Right. Like I, I've seen f people who I'm not friends with, but peripheral to my family, family, friends, like really like just manhandle these people on the street 
just for asking for money. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, it's very pervasive and ugly. Like, it's wow. the kind... It's, I've never, I've, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm... It's the kind of racism that you, you don't think exists in the Western world anymore. I'm thoroughly ignorant on it, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll be honest, but... No, no, um, I know. I, we, went in, we went into a crazy tangent there, but the, the point of it is kind of to link it all back. It's just this asymmetry that's being uh, fed to us. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, we were, like, kind of talking about, like, commercial drive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, right. right, right. Well, they're all well I no, guess what I mean is that... It's not quite that, but... but no, 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 but it's... The, our, the, 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 like... It's a slippery slope when you're talking about if if you... If your language is such that, like, that person's vibrating at a higher frequency like yeah let's have them hang with us that lower frequency person um we don't uh need to associate with you know it's um yeah the moment you are painting anyone with the language of anyone who is a human and then you've painted them with the language of there are lesser humans you're in trouble man like um and 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 so much of new age uh spirituality um exists um with very very fascist overtones the idea of like um being this like superhuman of individualism and yeah yeah no i I, absolutely and and i think honestly the to dovetail and to make a point of that crazy tangent i went on um no i mean i i i I don't want to um no 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 i i that's that's uh of course um very upsetting to find out but um well it's just fascinating it's part of too much about the romantic people it, yeah, the Romani people have endured horrible racism and still do all over Europe. And it's getting worse because I think uh, the tide has shifted in the direction of xenophobia in Europe in a lot of places, like the very anti-refugee and things like yeah. that. And, you know, like it, it's been happening for a while. You know, there was, there's been a rise of kind of right wing like right. identitarianism all over the world. But the way I link it back to what you're talking about here is that everything i said and everything that we do talk about when we go deeper into the nuances of issues it makes everything very complicated right mm-hmm. like because it's both sides bad kind of thing like look like putin runs a a dictatorship where it's illegal to be gay like he he you know it's illegal by death to be gay and it's not even a religious state he doesn't have it's just a it's a neutrally evil like cold country like it i mean not the country the people are are beautiful people with such a rich wonderful history it's it's the way that it's being run is fucked right the point is is like sometimes when you have a rule of thumb that just says well if i think positive thoughts and i manifest you can you can you can circumvent the complexity of the world well yeah i mean which kind of like which kind of uh, circles back to what we were saying at the beginning, right? It's like you can opt out with drugs. Yeah. You can opt out with a lot of things. Yeah. One of them being, I just don't go there. Yeah, and and I I don't go look. I don't but go listening. There not but listen. Not going there. I get it, but it uh, you are 
continuing the status quo like yeah so um you got to be yeah. humble you got to be humble i think that's the trick right is you got to all it's very hard to do and i think it takes a lot of self-love and self-knowledge and i'm certainly not there yet and i think most people aren't but you, you got to go into every situation knowing with the with the thought process of i will never ever know everything there is to know because it's impossible i mean talk about a great reason to stay alive yeah yeah and that's a great reason exactly i will never ever know everything there is to know but i like the process of learning new things so much that i'm gonna let that be an end in and of itself i don't know maybe i've talked to you about this maybe i i haven't um but like (laughs) and maybe maybe i should be a bit more um whatever uh compassionate to yeah. my former self but i i've been kind of really pumped on this like the 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 version of me 3 years ago fills me with dread with, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, me too man <laughs> and and i'm sure and that's kind of existed since you know whatever i was um well you, since i can remember and, hey i i'm with you i but, it's kind of like that matthew mcconaughey oscar speech yeah <laughs> no I, I, get, I get what he's talking about yeah uh i i went with a, a bit of a more negative spin on it but no no, no yeah 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 pa- because he's looking forward to the version of him in the future whereas you're looking back but it's the same yeah perspective kind of idea where like i should be able to kind of be like wow that guy thought he knew anything (laughs) yeah um in a really beautiful way you know get i encourage people to be proven wrong well there's gotta be good there's gotta be something good there's gotta be something good about getting older right like it's there's gotta i mean it's everything is good about it but we're still sold that youth is the greatest thing in the world but it's not you know this is what's good about getting older is that you can look back and cringe if you're not cringing then you're not growing yeah i I think that that's pretty much what i'm getting at um um and maybe there's like highly evolved amazing people who can whatever yeah there's people who are born buddhas sure maybe (laughs) just just hug every version of themselves as as they as they move along um but I think maybe there'll be a version of you that can get there, or that there's still probably a lot of stuff to unpack, you know? I think, um, yeah, no, I, I have, I have compassion for, like, where I was at, and I don't think I could do it better, um, no, yeah. with, with the circumstances, um, uh, I've always tried to live in, like, whatever integrity I had, I've always, like, yeah. tried to be, um, a good person that's always been um important to me i think as time went on um i've i've found the blind spots in where i wasn't one um yeah and uh and you know there's that too like i think i think there's a baseline to to hating yourself or like self-loathing and and self-destruction that um is so is so pervasive um Mm -hmm. i think i think more maybe maybe it's because um 
just through my through my um uh experience or or, or the friends the people i've been drawn to um yeah. or my family or whatever but um i think everybody is fighting a fucking horrible battle uh, uh in, yeah. in their mind and and i was having a conversation with somebody to to kind of go with that about the difference between self-loathing and self-pity sure you know and i think that kind of what you're talking about there illustrates it in a way right because when you look back at though your former self that makes you cringe you're falling a bit into self-pity yeah you know in the sense that you're looking at your past self from above and you're being like and it's still you know that kid that kid is still in you somewhere you know we also talked about how you know and i won't talk about the people or whatever but we talk we talk we commiserated on the fact that we will see people in the world who reflect back at us the things that we hate about ourselves Oh, and yeah. they'll trigger us just the way they are in the world. You know, mate doesn't even have that much to do with them, but we'll see the way they are and we'll see the aspects of ourselves we don't like. Or we'll see the aspects of ourselves so beautifully. Like, we'll watch a video of ourselves being really cringe when we were kids, like saying all, like, the wrong things, you know, and it'll trigger this, you know, in the case of those people, pity. In the case of ourselves, self-pity. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, th- this person that I was having a really deep conversation with, um she was like yeah like do you still engage in a lot of self-pity and i was like my problem my insurmountable problem was never self-pity it was self-loathing and that's different in the sense that i believed and there's still a part of me that does that i am like somehow who i am intrinsically as a person is an obstacle to my being happy and i think that I think that maybe that's where some people's suicidal tendencies come from too. It's like how the only way that I could ever have access to peace, maybe maybe it's not even happiness, but peace is if I destroy the one thing that's in my way and that's me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that's certainly where my head was at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's certainly where my head was at. I, I didn't see, um, I didn't see a way out but it was kind of mm-hmm. what I'm I think what I'm think about these days if if somebody was kind of if somebody is at where I was at I just want them to invite more compassion um for themselves I want yeah. I want more nuance for um, the people who are uh, struggling and you know everything you're ashamed of like all the reasons you hate yourself um, and all you know all the like things you've done um, yeah that, that make you uh, really like that you uh, replay and relive and 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 beat yourself up over like you'll get to it yeah <laughs> you, know, you, you will you'll, you'll get to it like if you stay on the planet and um and find some like mm-hmm. and, and find some um what's the word uh leeway for yourself and find some um well, lo- yeah. love and compassion and permission for yourself you'll you'll live a rich enough life that that, that the things that um 
that, that you'll sort out, you know, these, these phrases like if you, if you think you're, you're so selfish, if you think you're so, um, you're too much, if you think this, that, the third, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a narrowing, right? You know, so I, I think ultimately, um, it's, it's narrowing all of what you are into a series of possibilities that all cause you suffering, right? Yeah. So everything you just said, right? Like, it's like you get into this because the, I think it's because the trauma and the suffering that it triggers. Yeah. It, it, it gives you blinders that you, those feelings are so intense that you actually begin to think that your entire reality just is comprised of I'm selfish, I'm bad, I'm lesser than. When actually... Um, then this is where the spirituality has come into play then and has helped me recently is realizing that I'm the container for everything there is like everything with no spin on it morally or otherwise in my life has happened within the container of my consciousness which is me you know yeah. like every person I've met everything I've aspired to be everything like it's all funneled through this like I am, you know, this is why people talk about how there's no self and stuff like that, right? Because I am just the space in which my life happens. So, so I am not this story that I'm telling myself that I'm unworthy of this, that, and the other thing. I am just a container for everything. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great perspective. And, and it kind of comes down to the same, like comes back to a similar thing where it's like, you're what you've got. Yeah, um, you're the space in which, I, like, and also, you you get to choose what you fill that container with. Now, that doesn't mean that you should try to stuff only happiness into it, because that doesn't work. Because as much as you get to choose what you fill that container with, things also come into it that you don't choose. That's yeah. most of life. You didn't choose to be born. So right. everything you start life out with, your parents, your whatever, are things that you didn't choose. But what a cool thing it is as an adult that you can kind of orient yourself. You can buy a plane ticket to Los Angeles. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can make some choices. Make choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, did you want to talk about that? About going to Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do actually, because I wonder what it, I mean, I'll what, ask the. What it means to me? Yeah. What it means to you more generally. I'll, I'll start with the obvious question that might be on the minds of a fan of yours. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean for the band? Because don't, isn't your band based here? Yeah. So. The oh, if everything goes according to plan, um, the uh, the visa that I've got, um, oh one, uh, yeah, allows us all to um, uh, play shows and record um, there legally and and work there as as musicians and for well, me also as an actor. Would they uh, come with you? Well, they'd be on O twos. Each of them are on an O two. Mm -hmm. um meaning i have to live there they can go back and forth oh okay and i can go back and forth to, to a point as well to a point, but i yeah. need a residency i think the, isn't the rules of america and canada like six months out of the year yeah yeah like that's what they'd be that would be their limitation mine right. mine is like i think i have to be there i don't know like 250 days or some shit like, yeah yeah so you okay. have to like kind of limit it I, to when you have to be here yeah, yeah. i have to live there uh, yeah, yeah yeah no i understand and i, and I choose yeah, and, I, and I'm, that's your choice yeah because I'm, I'm happy with it like yeah I, I look forward to it um okay cool 
So the band's think, not breaking up. No, not, <laughs> not even close. Um, uh, it brings us uh, closer together. They've they've known about the entire process. Um, okay, cool. Which was one uh, that was difficult, but um, ultimately worth it. There is a very brass taxes kind of uh, financial aspect to um what it's like to um uh tour america um and how much that uh, yeah costs as a, a band from canada um and or a band based in canada um and just looking at the numbers it was not that different for me to get um residency for three years mm-hmm. um with the band as well um as it was to get the the temporary performance visa to play our headlining tour of america for a month right right yeah it makes so sense there's shit like that where it's just like um there's a lot of practicality mm. um to it uh just in in the fact that it's where um a lot of our fans are as far as um, yeah music goes um and then and then yeah and then it came down to this thing of like again the practicality of like um you know if if our team says hey you've got a big festival in um you know dallas tomorrow um we can actually go play that gig yeah. Rather than being like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't give us like six months of advance. Right. Yeah. yeah the logis- <laughs> so, so, but is it just the logistics? The, the red tape is insane. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I understand um, that because I, uh, I lived in the States logistics? for a bit. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. What am I doing? No, 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 no. no. It's still good for the audience to know because I'm sure there's a lot of people, I mean, in the arts listening that, that think about a move to the States. I mean, obviously we both have, and you're making one and I've, uh, so I wasn't dismissing what you were saying. I I was just saying like, I very much commiserate with that, that experience, uh, because it's unnecessarily difficult. So kind of from more of a, like, um, I also had some success in los angeles writing songs for Mm -hmm. other people um in a way that the world never really opened up to me in this city um i sympathize with that yeah (laughs) i mean listen uh, yeah say what you will about los angeles and its inhabitants but i've found that there is a they're a bit too busy chasing their dream to shit on yours yeah <laughs> i mean like look man like you Which, know what the, i mean you know what this podcast is called yeah, you know it's no, not right I, but i, I do want to be um whatever i want to be i want to like speak eloquently no about of course what i don't like no of course you do in generalizations and i think that's a good one in terms of listen like i don't like it here yeah yeah, and i never 
have. Yeah, no, I know. And I have more bad memories of this place than good ones. I understand that you have some of the worst memories of your life, as a matter of fact. So For sure. And part of that is living here on and off, like, for most of my life. But um, you, just statistically, that is going to happen. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> if I'm generally, only spending six months in Generally New York speaking, and, if, if inevitably... there was no tragedy while the time yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah inevitably, um, if you're going to... Um, live somewhere that's going to be where most of the experiences most you your have tragedies are and take good place. and yeah yeah um uh, and and strangely um but yeah whatever like it's also um it's also amazing uh but it, it's it's yeah uh, it's amazing because i've found i've found as many people who feel like an alien who crash landed um here that i could yeah uh, i found as many people who felt like outsiders to me who wanted to who like were like yeah no whatever like you wrote a script let's do a reading yeah yeah you know people who like aren't i, I felt i mean clout chasey to be like i'm only gonna fuck with your um project if it's already fucking on the cw and i know all the stars yeah you know what i mean like um somehow managed to only inhabit the good part of this world yeah man and myself but that took a lot of work yeah and and i you know listen i had an awesome moment a couple months ago where without a ton of advance i let um I let my network of sorts know that I had written uh, a script and I wanted to hear it out loud. And yeah, it was I, a great script. Thank you. And I got whatever twenty people um, into a room who were very talented, very serious about the thing. Um, to to go, yeah, and put themselves out there and whatever. Take the bus. Take take a car like brave the rain whatever it was because and and take a chance on this thing that could have been total dog shit yeah um because i i you know i'd cultivated um uh that you know through whatever like through through uh through kindness and hard work mostly yeah Um, yeah and um so so yeah there's that's the experience I, I mostly have and cultivate as well, it, it, but it is like... I've done the best I could, but um, with what I wanted to do next, I couldn't stay here. No, no, I understand. I mean, you followed... Um, you know, I find it really interesting. I was having this conversation with Joel, and, and again, this is going to seem... You know, I think it's interesting. I think when I started this podcast, a lot of people, because of the kind of... Uh, a lot of I got into a lot of fights and debates online at the time right preceding it and I think a lot of people were shocked that this podcast really didn't actually involve that much shit talking <laughs> <laughs> uh, despite the way I had marketed it um, but you know you know it kind of just became a forum for conversation that I really love having yeah. um, but I think it has the freedom to yeah to be whatever air air uh, a taboo grievance yeah 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 uh, and, in, and in a way that like um, right probably leads to um, honesty just through whatever just the um, 
the catharsis the of catharsis, being like, yeah. hey, can we stop fucking pretending for a second and, and, and like, just talk about this how, yeah. like, whack this shit is and, like, right, right, how man. rude that person just was or, like... So here's here's one, right? So Joel was at a bar with a... Uh, he was seeing a, a close friend of ours and uh, their boyfriend from uh, who moved from here to San, San Sacramento. Okay. You know, a certain uh, lover of Kanye West and uh, Star Wars and uh, soul music. Yep. Anyway, this guy is talking about soul music and, and how amazing he is. And he starts essentially mansplaining soul music to the guy uh, next to them in the next booth at the restaurant or the bar and the guy joel looks over the friend that we're who's mansplaining or who's whatever he's he's talking like some sort of expert in the history of music Mm -hmm. the guy he's talking to is dan mangan (laughs) (laughs) right and he doesn't know who he is but joel does and you know and that's just a funny thing that that joel was just so embarrassed to be with this guy um that rules but but what i thought was interesting about that you know i took away from it was like yeah, man, Dan Mangan, like, he, he, I've loved his music my whole young life. He's a nice musician from locally, you He's know, cool guy. Cool guy. I, I've seen him hang out, but it's like, damn, like how, like, what guy like Dan Mangan who just kind of is, lives in Vancouver and built his following here and kind of is just a local legend or that guy who unfortunately died uh, recently from the spirit of like, you know, you'll have oh, to. Oh, yeah, John, yeah. Yeah, John. Yeah, guys like that, you know. Where are those guys in local fucking film and TV, you know? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I think I'm picking up what you're Like, put, where's you're the local... Like, we're a big enough city. Like, there's got to be people like that in fucking Pittsburgh or whatever. Pittsburgh Theater or something like that. And maybe I'm not plugged into the theater scene enough. But I just feel like... The people who are famous from Vancouver... Are either super famous people in the States who left. Mm-hmm. And who occasionally come back. And it's like this fucking Macy's Day Parade when, like... Ryan Reynolds comes back to shoot another Deadpool movie. Right. Or it's people who, like, wanted so badly to be an American movie star and thought that acting in, like, 10 years of Riverdale-style shows would have gotten it there, and now they're just sad. Right, yeah. There's no person who, like... There's not a lot of people around here who are just comfortably Mm Vancouver-based and who love making their art and love being from here. Yeah, I think that's... I think that is true. I think that there is a thing culturally about this city and about this country, if I can generalize, where you're going to be told some version of like, if you present something you're enthusiastic about, people will be pretty quick to be like yeah don't be ridiculous like yeah you know i've gotten so used to underselling everything that i think is cool that i've done because i'm used to having the conversation with somebody from vancouver where you know you need those weird prereqs or um just disclaimers maybe of of like yeah but like whatever it only it only showed on this network 
or like yeah yeah but like don't worry i'm like i don't think i'm a movie star or anything like yeah the, the look, movie man, only, the movie only played at this festival i had that like, working at whites too where you do that yeah. to your fucking self oh yeah i know but you we you. only learn that because of the times we went like hey like oh dude check it out like i'm i'm in this movie and then somebody inevitably goes like oh so you think you're hot shit yeah precisely like or or like i've never heard of it yeah let me shut my mouth for the next like yeah oh, oh thank you arbiter of all that is cool or interesting that's ever existed when like the truth is you only watch fucking game of thrones yeah no and, and i mean and that that's the thing that drives me so fucking nuts about um living here is everyone's a professional critic not getting paid <laughs> yeah <laughs> for being and critic. that's the internet in general but yeah. I, I think that's another point of yours that I, I i think that's the dark side of uh sorry yeah, which is man. it's like i'm sorry for being who i am yeah. right like i don't like yeah. not wanting to ever inconvenience anybody with taking up your own space listen i i didn't i don't think i'm built for being the idea of what a rock star is supposed to be yeah but whatever now that i've made that bed and have to lie in it yeah i know i can't aw shucks my way into being the yeah, lead singer you have of the to... biggest band possible no, you know you what can't. i mean so it's like you can't i can't aw shucks my way into directing my first feature that's film, what right? i'm saying you can't you, there there are just moments where you have to um bet on yourself and maybe fall on your face bet on yourself is exactly yes bet on yourself but the thing is is that like the the aspect of like dude people are gonna piss on you so much without you needing to piss on yourself oh yeah (laughs) you know like maybe like if you're rooting for you you have a person rooting for you yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, <laughs> Especially so when simple. you're starting out. Like, I, I, like, man, like, when I started out, I had some really cool shit going for me. As a kid, you know, I was, I was like 18, like, the first time, like, an A&R came and saw my band. I was going up for, like, leads and almost getting them. And I all, like, in my heart of hearts, I thought it was all bullshit because it wasn't cool enough yet it wasn't it wasn't paying the bills yet right so it was like you need to do a lot of work on yourself before you can possibly handle this stuff this is why i actually do feel bad for people that get famous really young i i uh yeah it would have killed me yeah i know i know yeah and it it kills people regularly and then we all wonder where you you watch the this is, a, this, this is a reference that's going to date me, but, like, you watch the E! True Hollywood story yeah, yeah. of, like, that young star who overdosed, you know? <laughs> and you wonder, well, they had everything. You know, it's a miracle Lindsay Lohan is alive I mean, and, and making things again, even if they are, you know, uh, last Christmas or whatever the fuck. Get, get that bag, Lindsay. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, she seems cool. Um, yeah, and Britney, Britney, too. Like There oh. are plenty of people who've been pissed on that you know like didn't do a lot to deserve it yeah um, um but yeah you know it's it's um it's why i quit my job what you're talking about yeah i mean uh, i realized at a certain point right like it's gonna suck and like i know that there's 
some people who might be interested in listening to this that are going to hate that the thing I'm about to say, but it's part and parcel with me betting on myself and telling the truth through this medium is saying like, yeah, I mean, I was doing that job to appease the voices, some of whom were my father, who didn't even want me to do that job, by the way, because my dad has grown a lot. And he, but, but it's like my past father, you know, who's right. telling me about the value of hard work and humbling yourself, blah, 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 these voices in your head. I didn't need to work in a warehouse, you know, or like, you know, people like shitting on me for being like artsy fartsy and being like, you know, like a writer actor type, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, so I'm like, yeah, all right, then I'll fucking lift lights around a warehouse and I'll do I'll do the manly part of filmmaking this and that you know no but for real though no, like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because like and, and I've, I'll... I've been thinking about um how the like the dosey dough that yeah. takes place that um that uh that, that you know men try to find a like um yeah. So I was at my work Christmas like party. A sexy, manly way to be, to have the silliest job ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So, no, and, and and I totally, yeah. But I was at my work Christmas party, and my, my boss is boss. And, like, honestly, a really sweet dude who who's doing his best. Like, I always got good vibes from him. Like, I got the vibes from him that he's somebody who's doing his best. But I asked him about my film, and I said, hey, like, I'm shooting a movie in February. And um, I I don't have access to the camera department. I have access to lighting and stuff. And I, I don't know. I was hoping maybe you could help me out just because, you know, we were, you know, in the assembly thing. And he's like, of course, man, I'll introduce you to the camera people. And I was so stoked. And honestly, it was very kind of him because camera and the rest of the warehouse, like, they're kind of separated geographically and they have different management. So, right. you know, I was very apprehensive as to whether I could get free camera for the movie. And then he said to me, he's like, you know, a lot of people you know, who came, who work here now, like a lot of management, you know, they initially like needed to shoot things, you know? And then I was like, oh no, I I didn't think about it until later because I was drunk and I was happy that I was going to get the camera stuff. But I was like, oh, like if I don't get out now, oh wow, it could just become my career. Mm. And that, that never happens as a conscious choice. It happens when, you get somebody pregnant or you decide that maybe you want a house and then you have to pay a mortgage and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, and, and like, look, I mean, it, that's a really, really hard thing to talk about openly because there's many people in the world who have no choice or many people in the world who having a steady career like that is aspirational, Mm -hmm. you know, even, but it wasn't like that for me. Um, and I knew in that moment, that I need to stop, like, in the moment where it clicked, I think it was a random day at the warehouse, like, a week and a half later, Mm -hmm. that I need to stop apologizing for who I am. Mm -hmm. And I need to stop behaving in ways that are tacit apologies for who I am. Yeah, I mean... Like... What, like... You... Knowing what you want to be doing and what it entails um you know um and i've been working on this thing for three years and i've been working towards it for 10 so it's not like yeah there's a i i I like the phrase follow your bliss 
Yeah. And it's like, you know, um, uh, you know, it, like, if you have the opportunity, um, and and the whatever like means to go to go do something um really cool that's 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 going to um uh satisfy um very important parts of you yeah like go go do it there's there's yeah yeah i mean it's like holding yourself back from that i read somewhere that like the best thing we can do for a society or community period is, is be our full selves. Yeah. And and I, I definitely agree with that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's more, the work has not been in agreeing with that because I think I agreed with it pretty early on. I think the work has been letting go of that voice that goes yeah well i think everybody deserves to live their dream and everybody deserves to be happy and i think that the system that we live in is cruel and exploitative Mm -hmm. but not for me though right (laughs) you know i i i actually i deserve to suffer because i'm inherently a bad person and people haven't found it out yet wow uh you know so i believe that everybody is redeemable i believe in xyz but not for me yeah yeah that like they're there's a uh an impulse to like punish yourself or hold yourself well down. yeah you know and then there's that impulse of like oh it's time for me to do some real work so that i'm not a sissy boy and it's not about masculinity it wasn't even about masculinity even though i use that term sissy boy which denotes that but it's really just about me being like i gotta I won't be entitled to live my dreams unless I put in some man hours right uh, in, in, in the, uh, I, I justify it to myself in a lot of ways. And then ultimately I, I was like the last thing, the last sort of hurdle that I had was like, I'm going to stick around until February when we shoot the movie so that I can get the gear. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what then I'm going to ruin my entire pre-production process by being absolutely exhausted yeah, through the yeah, whole yeah. thing, even though I have the money saved to just live and focus on making my movie and do it in a healthy way. Like, am I a fucking idiot? There's, n- there's no part of staying in this job for a month longer that makes sense. Well, you know, I think it comes back to like, um, th- there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's so much reverence for, um, a certain sort of you know and, and then and then he worked on the oil rigs for like oh yeah years so he could you know make make this short film you know yeah no and the, like, yeah we, we that's very lauded that's very celebrated. the whole method and, actor and, thing and, and as it should be in a way like yeah th- that's really cool you 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 sacrificed um and and you you put in uh work to make your dream happen but you have as well you know what i mean like it it just like i think we all want our story or who we are to kind of resemble something that we've already seen 
Yeah, or that we admire. Yeah, so then, so then our version is immediately bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just like and because we a, can shoot holes in it, we can the be self like, hatred. Well, you know that like I didn't deserve X Y Z because X Y you know whatever. The internalized self hatred, right, and the yeah. self diminishing that happens, like you were talking about, because of the voices that you've internalized and because of the trauma you've been through. Mm-hmm. It do, it does a very good job on your dark nights to convince you. Yeah, I mean, I believe all this stuff for other people, but not for me. Yeah, but I... But I, I don't think that anymore, but that's that, that was what was weird, is like, now I'm starting to be like, no, wait a second, I deserve the love that I'm trying to... like. And also, by the way, if I don't give myself the love that I'm trying to give to other people, then I can't give it to them sincerely either. Mm-hmm. Or like, I actually, I don't have... Yeah, it's very hard to be a, like... It's transactional. ...person who hates himself while, like being really like open and great to others yeah and like look self-love is a lifelong process so i'm not saying you need to love yourself before you can love other people because well then nobody would love anybody right you know that's complete self-love is is the process of like enlightenment itself or whatever like it's the first taste of self-love i yeah really got that was like worth tasting came from somebody um Mm-hmm. really convincing me that like uh that that was in the cards for me um so yeah I'm, I'm i had with that you. It, it uh i had that too it came yeah. from another person um and not even from a person really but from a relationship that felt for a time like it was um the first healthy one that i had ever been in nice uh yeah it was good uh and, you know everything has its uh you know processes and compatibility isn't always gonna make something last forever but it it was the first time i felt lovable in that sense and it happened very late in my life yeah but yeah but it is something that you eventually you have to create an island of it in yourself regardless of whether or not other people are around and that's tough yeah yeah and i don't know there there's so many I've been thinking about purpose a bit, purpose-driven art in their, you know, and, mm-hmm. and by by uh, association, like uh, a life's purpose. Yeah, and I I think a decent one is. Um, peeling away at my shame to show the world how unnecessary a lot of just like human shame is really unnecessary yeah no that makes sense yeah being vulnerable to let other people know that it's okay yeah and and listen like i didn't i didn't set out to do no yeah but that like pretty much encapsulates most of the things i've made yeah i i think most meaning as much as we try to set things out i think most meaning from things is derived in retrospect like oh my god yeah no you, like, you know i you think have no idea what you <laughs> no exactly you have no idea you like no and, and and that's like yeah like whatever there's the desired effect but a good example like that i found and that's the other thing is like being able to pivot and not like 
be like, that wasn't my vision. Like <laughs> you're fucking with my, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, it's not yours anymore. in in a way, right. um, once it's out there, like a, a good example is like, there's a song, um, off perfectionism called better on your own that I wrote in a pathetic state and yeah yeah things are really bad. i mean i know like all the lyrics to all the songs on that album so yeah. i like a, th- a few of the lines are going through my head so that that was written like where i was not doing well and <laughs> yeah I'm... i guess the face that launched about thousand ships it's there's a little bit of like you're a whore <laughs> yeah 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 there's like there's a um I mean, actually, no, wait, no, 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 no. It's, it's more like I kissed a face that's so admired, not you're a whore. It's, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I got with Helen of Troy. If, yeah. if you got with Helen of Troy, you, you'd be, uh, uh, you'd feel the after effects as well. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's adoration, but from a yeah. very, very pathetic place uh, of, of thinking that nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, yeah. And, and then also just being like, being just the human experience of like you want what's best for this person because they're the person you care most about in the world and it's a pretty hard pill to swallow that um the missing ingredient from their life being better (laughs) was you not being in it oh yeah that that's what better on your own is about i just explain how cool uh this person um Mm-hmm. uh is to me and how um pissed you are that they're leaving yeah, yeah that, that, how... oh, i hope you're doing better on your own yeah yeah i i hear you're doing oh, better on your own i know it's awful hard uh, to be alone yeah yeah, yeah. um which and... that's an interesting bit i hear i not that i want to like analyze your yeah. lyrics with you here but i hear you're doing better on your own comma i know it's awful hard to be alone doesn't that kind of contradict well, it's it's um, is it is it you projecting how it's hard for you to be alone? It's championing her dumping me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's like way to go, you know. Like um, that's that that. Oh, like you're like I know it's hard to be alone, but you did it for yeah, yourself. Exactly. Like, yeah, You yeah. you go champ. Yeah, I go. get it now. Okay. Um, so <laughs> okay. Anyway, so it's a very like for me. It's a very, I thought I was making this thing that would mostly make people go like, oof, been there, buddy. Like, been there, buddy. That's universal, you know, like, uh, we've all, we've all been with somebody like that. But two or three concerts in, I noticed myself having the same conversation with people and they'd be like, I love better on your own. And I'd be like, oh man, you poor thing. And they'd be like, no, no, no. I'm the person you're singing about. Like, <laughs> I'm dope. Like, oh yeah. And like, this song is empowering yeah. for me. And then I was like, whoa, certainly not what I I wrote it about. But if if that's what you get from it, like, that's you know almost better, right? Like, so then, so then, just to what to to what you're speaking about, like, I went and wrote something from the deepest recesses of insecurity in a breakup fuck you know i i dye my roots if you prefer me as a blonde you know like um uh like like gross i start a cult and i'll join yeah yeah. you know um 
you are everything I wanted and more. These aren't like the um, obviously I'm exaggerating, but like yeah, yeah, I'm explaining, that's not I'm explaining that you know I had a pretty uh, obsession. Yeah, like it's okay. I mean, you channeled it through the right. Not a great pair of glasses on. Uh, it, it's just codependent. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, so anyway, I get it. So anyway, so yeah, it's like you set out to do this one thing and then uh and then you find out that it's this that it's this it's uh, perceived it, differently than you yeah yeah it takes on this whole different meaning and then and then so for the past for the for the last tour we did um the second song in i'd i'd ask the audience if if somebody had gone through a breakup recently and then somebody would inevitably raise their hand and i'd say you know what's their name and they'd say it and then we'd say you know fuck whoever that is like you're better on your own and, and then, then you'd I'd serenade this person and and let them know all these things that i originally wrote for somebody else but like yeah the song changed meaning entirely and organically in a way that's like i didn't fight it and go fuck you this song's about so. misery <laughs> So I'll go, yeah, you know, it's interesting is because you're making me think about something that we, we talked about off mic before we yeah. started. Um, this specific tangent um, makes me think of how I talk on the podcast a lot. I think I've had multiple episodes, including maybe our original one, where I talk about the insecurities and the, the lack of ownership and the hatred that I feel almost for the, my mid-career. Mm you know, my, my mid-career projects, my contributions to Inconceivable and Automate. Right, I talk about that. I realized recently in a conversation that I had, and this speaks to the headspace you were in when you were writing better on your own, mm -hmm. that those projects literally, like, I mean, through Inconce Inconceivable, it's very, it's not very well hidden. I'm playing myself, and I'm, I'm being very, very, the, the, version of me that's written is a very self-deprecating version of myself like i'm i'm writing myself to like my most pathetic and lecherous i'm i'm doing with a better on your own thing that you did yeah and then inconceivable uh, it it's not the i'm not inconceivable automate it's not the movie itself it's a lot of things that were tangled in the production that i realized those two projects were like really when I made them, I was going through a really traumatic period in my yeah. life to do with interpersonal relationships and stuff. Yeah. And because I've never properly processed the anger and the feelings that I feel about that period, which I was telling you about, mm -hmm. I can never get to a newfound relationship with those pieces. Wow. Because ultimately, I, I am like those are the most successful things I've made. I'll meet you halfway. I, I was going to say, I, I, I don't quite get that, but I, I have one experience of an artistic project where I walked away being like, that wasn't worth it. I don't want to do something like that again. Um, and my memories of it are nearly all negative. Yeah. And... I could point out the things that this project did that were very, very um, powerful and interesting and, you yeah. know, resume builders, etc. Like, you know, like, fuck, man, like, the projects you're talking about got you to 
the Gotham Awards to like rub <laughs> like brushing shoulders with some of my heroes. Like you do have to understand that in your lifetime you've achieved things that are are people's unattainable dreams. Yeah, no, I know. I I and I I, I recognize that. Um, I recognize what it was like to be the black sheep in my acting school mm. and then to come back four months later at the Gotham Awards in the same city while they were still wrapping up their final semester that I dropped out of. There's no video portion, but I, I, I threw up, uh, I threw up like the rock on. Yeah. 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 No. And then that's cool. Out. And I, I, I felt so conflicted about it that I didn't even send the school notice that I was at the Gotham Awards, you know, like it just was, it felt because of everything that I, you know, like I, I was telling the story. I was, I was at the, I was at the Gotham Awards, and I can't remember whether this is a real memory or a pastiche of it because I was so wasted. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm at the Gotham Awards. Um, in uh, in my phone is plugged in to the wall, like next to a column at the hotel there, and I'm just texting. Like I, t I texted two girls. <laughs> <laughs> one girl that like is terrible relationship with that i was like oh can't you believe that i'm here and then i just like i never have done this in my life before or since ever yeah i sent a dm to like a cold dm to somebody that i had never spoken to in person that i just thought they were cute and i was like i just think you're amazing and i just like want you to know that blah 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 i'll leave you alone forever now Wow. I still cringe that I sent that. That's the only time in my life I've ever sent a DM like that. I still cringe that I sent that DM. Damn. I never got a response to it. Well, um, did it, in any, at any point in the DM, does it say, like, I'm at the Gotham Awards? No, it didn't like, say I was at the Gotham I, Awards. Jordan Peele just, uh, I just ta well, I talked told to, me I was cool. Jordan, I did shake hands with Jordan Peele that night, and I, I didn't even take any pictures that night. I, but I met, yeah, uh, Jordan Peele... Uh, I met Michael Kenneth Williams, and he told me about how he, they recorded their own audio for Trapped, R. Kelly's Trapped yeah. in the Closet, and then he dubbed everybody's voices over with his own, which is like <laughs> one of the, the funniest. R.I.P. Like, rest in peace, favorites. one of the greatest actors. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just a flashbulb memory of him, but I just remember myself that night, right? Like, not so much that other DM. I ultimately... I feel like that DM, I'm almost proud of myself for sending because, like, it was, you, you know, shoot you, your shot. No, you, you shoot your shot, and it was sincere. And yeah, it was, absolutely. It was like, oh, whatever, you know, you never know what's going to come of just like unabashedly telling somebody that you've admired them from afar. I, it was one of the greatest uh, experiences of, uh, one of the greatest and deepest experiences of my life started with a DM. With it, yeah, and I, I, I've had those experiences too. You know, sometimes you just gotta send people things. I, I, I wish that I had said something more about another person's work or like something that I connected with. But you know, whatever. Uh, but so that one, the other one, where I, where I was texting the other person, being like, "Well, don't you think I'm cool? Like, like, don't you think it's cool that I'm here where I was talking about the Gotham's?" But yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, "It's." But that was a big shift point in my life, actually right that night because um i was like wow this room ultimately even though margot robbie's right there and then this is what i was gonna say i looked up from from like and i had only seen ladybird at the time i hadn't seen call me by your name but i looked up 
And Chalamet is just burnt out next to like the fucking food table. Right? I don't even talk to him, but I'm just like, we're both burnt out in the corner at this event. Um, both of us just like, I don't know, we're too drunk or maybe he got high or something like that. But he's, he's just like, looks like a normal, awkward, gangly kid to me. And he really was because yeah. I just seen him in a, you know, play a bit part in a movie. I didn't realize what a phenomenon he would become. But yeah, like I had a, an experience of like, oh, okay. So we are at every level of this game, you know, even if you're the Michael Jordan of this thing, um, which some of these people are, you, you're just sitting in a room full of people trying to feel important. Again, it's the Elon thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's the misery of like thinking any, like, there's that like, you kind of wish that like people would experience those moments so they understand that it's so um yeah 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 it's so not <laughs> i talked to Brent. it's so not satisfying and it like in that yeah way like the you know they're probably more beautiful uh um affecting um memories and experiences that stick with you of of making um of making something and, and collaborating with friends or writing something yeah and actually like um it's the process when it, get, when it gets to the like uh uh validation the uh, most beautiful art. thing about that night was that i was there with my friends yeah totally and well, that and, when and you'd, and you'd made something that like yeah. Nobody could take away from you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that I have uh, I have an evolving relationship with, but I do. You know, when I think back on Inconceivable again, I guess the part of it that I don't really talk about as much because I get so in my own head about my anything I contributed to is that I am really proud of Joel um, for the fact that, like, that is a really vulnerable work of his. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the last, like, really vulnerable narrative thing he's made so far, and I really look forward to the next one because I do think that, like, he's a filmmaker who has mass appeal for people. Mm -hmm. Like, as a person, he has mass appeal. Right. But I do also think that more so than in conversation or, you know, he'll probably hear this, but, like, in his work specifically, like, his whole self and all the things that he's worried about and his vulnerabilities, they do, they do translate. Like he's like picked the right proxy for himself and Bruce, you know, to kind of express that same sort of like, um, well-meaning innocence, I guess. Right. You know, like the deliveries and, and it comes together in this way where there are some moments where I still, when I watch it again, like, I'm like, even more so than in life it's like oh yeah this is the story of this guy who like knows he's you know privileged and knows he has a lot to learn but he's really doing his best to care for the people around him mm -hmm. and um i guess my regrets are with that project that i wish that i could have been kinder to myself in it mm -hmm. in my representation of myself I think it's like when I wrote the version of myself that I put in that I wanted to like apologize for who I was. Yeah. And maybe this movie that I'm making now is 
my attempt to show people more uh because i um i think like like you what you do like what you said about your career and your works um i'm trying to uh do something that i wish other people would do you know in revealing myself and in in letting people know the the parts of me like maybe that's the thing maybe that's the thing that i'm trying to say is like we think there's a bias that the negative parts of us are the most true parts because those are the parts that we want to hide right so we think that when we're being vulnerable and revelatory it means telling everybody what we hate about ourselves mm -hmm. right because that's the stuff we're trying to hide and then that's what we consider oversharing like oh i'm such a piece of shit you know like we think like oh i'm a, such a piece of shit i fucking jack off to this blah blah yeah. blah whatever but no, like being vulnerable also means having the courage to tell people what you like about yourself and having the courage to be your whole self. I, I think it, me and my buddy Amanda were talking about um, vulnerability and, and the kind of illusion that we were good at it mm -hmm. um, and how we kind of chalked it up to this very narrow thing of like i'm cool with people like seeing me cry like we can go there yeah and it's like well no like there's part of you that just is comfortable with that side of you being seen and all vulnerability is like if you whatever look at the dictionary definition it's something along the lines of like just being uncomfortable so it, whether crying in front of somebody makes you uncomfortable, whether um, being boisterous makes you uncomfortable, your authenticity that makes you uncomfortable in front of another person is all vulnerability is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, I, and I think, you even, know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, it's, it's funny the like how some of it is, um, praised and some of it's punished when um the entire thing yeah is such an act of bravery it just needs to be broadened i think like the, the definitions need to be i mean that's the thing about spirituality too like if we talk about that it's like mm -hmm. that isn't that is a basic human need like whether or not you believe in god or spirits or whatever the fuck like however you're the basic human need to feel like you're part of something that you don't understand because that's what being alive is yeah you know i wanted to ask you um in regards to your film but just in regards to your career in general mm -hmm. do you think about your romanian ancestors and what came before and kind of ever have a self-dialogue with, like, I want to do right by them. Like, I wonder what it would be mm -hmm. like to, to make, to for them to know that, like, um, they fought in such a way that means a kid like me could go on to da-da-da-da-da. Well, I mean, that's a complicated question because I've, I've actually recently talked to my therapist about wanting to have a relationship with my ancestry and uh, the, comp the complexity of that. 
uh, it's hard when when a lot of your direct not my mom and dad who have been recently very supportive my mom always my dad recently mm-hmm. i should say <laughs> um yeah my mom always my dad recently but my more extended family it, it, it's hard to, i know what you're saying and it's true and i i will address that as well but a lot of my more diffuse family doesn't necessarily support what i'm doing or understand it so there's that but i mean they would if i was really successful though because everybody likes to get on a train that's going to hollywood you know sure as you know <laughs> i don't no, know i don't know I, no no that was just a cheap one no no, no yeah uh, but you know would they, you said you wanted your career you wanted to go to hollywood <laughs> shout hey, out to bill shout out to yeah big bill um bill heath uh but for real though um that's a good question because my grandfather on my father's side was an indentured servant, right? Mm-hmm. Whose fortunes changed when the communists took over. Jesus. And so, but then before that, it's like, I mean, I, I'm reading a, a book on global history. Um, it's called The Dawn of Everything that I recommend also. And it's really, it's a book that makes me really hopeful because it reminds me and this is, I promise this is an answer to your question. I'm not changing the subject, but <laughs> in the simplest terms we are we have been told that the only relevant part of history is the last 300 years or so since basically america and all the revolutions and the the, the, basically since the enlightenment to now Mm -hmm. we've basically been told that this is the only relevant part of history where everything has been accelerating like population and technology sure but human beings have essentially had the same biology, the same brains, the same capacity to do what we do as human beings for 10,000 years. Mm. That's like recent history is such a blip. And in that time, societies have outlasted America and the Roman Empire by hundreds of years, have had their cycles of of rise and collapse. And we've organized ourselves in all of these crazy ways as human beings throughout human history. That for us to only focus on the last 300 years and say that this is the only way things could ever be, it's just so patently absurd. Mm-hmm. And it's propaganda. It's egotistical. And it's egotistical. But that's what we say to each other. We say, well, capitalism is the only system that can exist. It's like mm-hmm. we, we've lived like it's not even 1%. 1% would be 1,000 years, 300 years, and not even all of that was capitalism. And it never was capitalism all over the world. Right. You know what I mean? Like human beings have survived and flourished even and like have done so many things, experimented with so many things that have been lost to time that haven't been recorded. Ways of organizing ourselves, some of which were egalitarian, some of which were empirical. Anyway, the point of the matter is, is you talk about my ancestors, your ancestors, my ancestors, of course, that speaks to indigenous cultures as well. But even the term indigeneity as opposed to whatever the fuck you know the people who are originally on the earth and then us you know or it's like with every human being is indigenous to the earth right you know in the sense that like there's been a lot of migration like we all come from africa and um like like it's more the sort of this cancerous conquering european thing destroying the inhabitants that that had a legitimate way of life prior but most of human history are these legitimate ways of life that are in tune with nature so you know that's why the question of ancestry is complicated yeah yeah. you know what i mean because 
it's like on the short term yeah like my grandfather who was an indeed in who was an indentured servant i can't imagine what he would think of my life for many reasons for one reason because even the average middle class person's life now is akin to the life of a king in right. his time period so like where i am and the things that i get to do would absolutely baffle him you know a, a guy who was had a life full of so much trauma that he ended up drinking himself to death like literally he died of a liver cirrhosis yeah um but i think in general like the this is this this actually full circles us to the beginning of the conversation because the hu the basic human needs that govern our lives have not changed since 10,000 years ago right because we've been the same basic animal for that entire period of time so we need to feel like we're in community mm -hmm. and that we're cared for and that we're loved and that we're allowed to be our best selves we need to feel useful to those communities like we don't need to be incentivized with money because we have an innate human need to be useful to the people around us to the people we love we have an innate need to serve the people we love and of course you need food and you need shelter and water and the basic things and then you need a sense of your place in the universe right those are all things that can't be marketed easily <laughs> and those are all things that don't change so when you talk about ancestry it's like i'm fighting for the same thing that my grandfather and his ancestors were fighting for which is just my place in the world yeah you know yeah yeah no entirely and I'm sure that that's true for you and yours as well. Like, because at the end of the day, if there were, if all of humanity was a village of 30 people, mm -hmm. then you and I would still be storytellers in that village. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, like there's, uh, the only difference is the tools and how far reaching those tools can be, mm -hmm. but it would still be our archetype to be, to perform that role, which is essential, like narrative it's so important to human beings yeah i mean storytelling is um incredibly powerful it, like and, and that kind of again like is one of the main themes of this conversation is like there's a detachment to being like my job is so silly don't worry about me like i get that i'm not doing uh whatever uh rocket science or brain surgery we're yeah. not saving lives today and like yeah. cool like congratulations like you you stepped out of the way of like i suppose like a true egomaniac uh um perspective but um but if we all collectively say that what we do isn't important yeah people will listen yeah, well, I mean, you know what the pro <laughs> you know what the problem is is the people who have the uh, the biggest megaphone, unfortunately, are often this. Is, um, the people who have the biggest megaphone, unfortunately, are often the people who are making the kind of art that's disposable. Right. Yeah. R right. So, at work, for instance, when my boss says, "Hey, we're just making Hallmark movies, or we're just making CW shows," like make sure you enjoy your holidays and tend to your families he's totally right yeah those things are made for the highest bidder and and that sucks right because that's why people say things like that but there's an entirely different aspect of storytelling that's incredibly nourishing mm -hmm. even at that level right like i just saw fucking avatar 2 mm -hmm. 
I hated Avatar one. Um, yeah. Like um, with a passion, and that was a totally different time. That was pre Marvel universe, where yeah, yeah, where yeah. every movie had to have like five thousand jokes in it, self aware like references to the yeah. fact that it's just a movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I didn't appreciate the earnestness of Avatar one. Yeah, I, I love I love the same thing about Twilight. Yeah. Like Twilight kind of rocks because it's earnest. There's not a single joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah every, everyone's so committed to being this like yeah whatever like teenage girl power fantasy of like everybody being in love with you at once. I just think irony is really <laughs> yeah exactly irony like, is really yeah, losing no, its nobody's, power. Nobody's like nobody winks once in in the first Twilight movie. I I, I think it's a lot of fun for that reason you know like like i look at james cameron right and like look james cameron is what he is apparently he's a toxic fucking guy on set apparently he yells at everyone and thinks he knows better than everyone and uh, sadly in many cases he does but that just makes it worse sure because then you know people make excuses for how poorly you treat them because he's right and that doesn't make it better but i look at this movie and i'm like even with all his blind spots and his boomerisms you know being my parents age you know, it certainly has some of that. He, the purity of the intention. Uh-huh. You know, this guy doesn't have a doctoral thesis in like world, you know, like indigenous studies. Right. And he doesn't have like, he's not an ethnobotanist, but he's obsessed with the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he's obsessed with, um, with nature and preserving it mm-hmm. in a way that's genuine. Yeah. And he's obsessed with, these he's obsessed with at least even if he's not specific about it or even if he takes too many liberties he's obsessed with cultures that live in harmony with nature right like as a concept so much so that he has to make his own so that he doesn't you know because he can't really tell the authentic story of people who yeah it's not perfect right but he's making movies that on the grandest scale possible like or about something pure about, yeah, are about, teaching yeah. people to to rise up against an imperial power that's colonizing mm-hmm. literally right and saying that we have to like love our earth rather than try to move to a new planet right right like that's what these avatar movies are about and he made the biggest movie in the world which was the original one that i didn't even like and they said now james you can do anything you want and he's like i'm gonna wait 10 years for the technology to get good enough so that I can make five more of these. Yeah. Because, because these movies give me a platform to inspire people in the direction of climate change and climate activism. Yeah. yeah. Like you gotta respect the intention Yeah, yeah. and the, and the sincerity of that. And the fact that you watch a movie like that, there's no fucking jokes. Yeah. Intention's important, man. Like, yeah. There's like, there's, there's too much, uh, that's been done to kind of parrot this idea that like your intention was meaningless. Yeah, like, or it's all impact, no intention. Yeah, precisely, right? Like, whatever, you can... But that comes back to a weird thing where people have hid behind an intention, like... Yeah, a, a, a desired intention that they come up with later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a retroactive intention, which is yeah. It, but that's transparent. You know, it's like you don't have to like. You can tell when somebody's intention was what it was. Like intentions are not that. But you waste the same yeah. language. Like you waste the good language of of the innocent 
um, through the PR campaigns of, of the people who, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, w- w- weaponize it to, um, uh, to kind of create a narrative of, of, um, uh, of, you know, whatever believable, uh, uh, Kevlar or, or, um, misdirect. They, there's this quote. The, the the cliche quote uh, is the road to hell is paved with good intentions, mm-hmm. but the actual one, the, no, the one not the actual one, but but a redux of it that I read in a book was, no, that's not actually true. If you really look at human history, the road to hell is paved with the absence of intention <laughs> and the and the willingness to just go along with whatever the trend is to not make a conscious intention for what you're doing. Again, it's like absolute power reveals absolutely rather than absolute yeah, power but, corrupts absolutely yeah but there's only a handful of people like may you know like truly not that many who actively have bad intentions and have enough power to enact those most harm that comes to the world is people with no intention following the trend set by somebody with bad intentions damn like you can't you know like let's say a guy like trump because he's the you know trump and hitler are the two guys that that come to the tip of anybody's tongue when they're talking about this kind of thing now from from our perspective you know they they don't have any power if nobody listens to them Mm -hmm. right and you know in the media the media again with no intention right right wants to just perpetuate its own profit no intention other than just profit you know then then amplifies him because they know people are going to want to watch it right it's, it's amoral and that you can hide behind the fact that oh no i didn't intend to like prop up a fascist i just i was just doing what the rules of the game are also i i i read somewhere that like the more inundated with an image we are like just psychologically the more we support it yeah the more we see the more they platformed that guy, mm-hmm. the more they were um, supporting him. Yeah, and the, that's the thing is like we do so much of mapping intention onto the world because we need to make it make sense, which is where conspiracy theories come from and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. But the truth is most evil comes from the unwillingness to have an intention or an opinion or anything and just go along with whatever's safest because uh, because we get back to the same thing the status quo is like yeah unbearably evil and rooted in horrible things but but it's it is that way because and it's specifically that way now because we've like engineered a system of governance right that allows people to not have opinions to be like well i was just doing my job or i was just doing what would make me the most money right and i didn't even think of it was good or bad right you know i was just trying to make money i wasn't trying to prop up the new hitler yeah i was just trying to sell newspapers what am i not going to feed my kids yeah yeah you know what i mean and even people even people who have an abundance of money so much more than what they need to feed themselves will use the excuse of like well i was just providing living for my family yeah. even though i own three houses <laughs> It's like, yeah. you no, know, you're not, it's not about your need for sustenance. It's about the fact that, like, you're not willing to admit that the core value of this society is to just profit for no reason except that we're told that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, it, it is, 
Yeah, it's it's. It's like, it also kind of goes back to like, what are we? What are we? teaching like what what are what is what is the media what is the images like what is the kind of what is the end goal that that we tell to a little boy or a little girl because from what i remember the end goals that i kind of were Mm -hmm. given as a little boy is one day you're going to if if things go according to plan you work hard enough you will have like a sports car, a yeah. like beautiful house, like a, a cool job, like uh, and a beautiful wife, and like you'll get to do whatever you want. And and the wife is like typically whatever, like half your age and a model. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like this. So you're given this list of like objects yeah but one own. of them's a person <laughs> yeah but it, it is essentially it's a doll yeah so it's like this it's this weird thing too of like yeah the, that that doll is not allowed to have flaws or be a person right so it's yeah. not really a person because it's also an, the idea of a person it's more about them being hot and a status symbol than than loving you or challenging yeah. you or anything. What you I mean know, is once they reveal I mean? themselves to be a full person, then they they make a break with what you were sold as a child. They've blown the game, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. like, um, and so I think, like, okay, so, again, like, off the same platform of, like, what are we, what are we teaching kids? Like, what what is a kid's... Um, kind of uh uh end game you know in terms of like what they want to achieve in life like it's 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 pure greed <laughs> it's it's yeah it's, it's pure greed that that we're told is like mm-hmm. a happy uh uh life to um aspire to yeah well it, i it's mean pu- it's pure greed and and then like so yeah like so there shouldn't be that much of a surprise to find out that is how so much of like um well uh, of 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 what people think is um owed to them i can put it in less like suicidal if they don't get it i can put it in less nefarious but ultimately more nefarious terms right so instead of saying ferrari mansion hot wife yeah Let's say that they sold it to us as a car, a house, and an, a good wife. Like a partner. Yeah, a sure. partner. Right. Let's say that, uh-huh. right? And let's say my parents, being immigrants, had that American dream in their mind as something, right? Because they grew up in a country that, you know, didn't allow them to travel, was very closed off, and they didn't have a lot of the things that they would see in American uh, films whenever they would get their hands on them. Yeah, yeah. But they had guaranteed housing, guaranteed work through the socialist government. It wasn't great, but it had its own benefits and its own drawbacks because it was kind of separated from the world at large, a culture. So what did my parents get when they came to America and when it was still possible? And by America, I mean Canada. Um, They got 
my dad got a Lexus sedan. He built himself, you know, a three-story house in the suburbs. We got a golden retriever. At the time, his son was pre-med, right? Right. Like, he got those things that, that you were talking about. You know, he already he came with a beautiful wife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, he, brought, he brought his Eastern European wife from home. Um, <laughs> his hot Eastern European wife. Um, and what did they do? Well, their son got severe anxiety um, and, and, and had to go to the ER every fucking week because he was having panic attacks. Yeah. And then he dropped out of, like, what their dream was for him and, like, went into a career that, you know, they're still even at this age worried for maybe good reason because they have no control over him. Is it going to be able to sustain him into old age? Yeah. The dog, of course, died of old age. Uh, my dad sold the fucking sedan. He sold the house, right? And now they're, you know, like, every everything that that dream consisted of proved to be something that made them unhappy my mom was like why the fuck do we have such a big house if like all i'm gonna do is is have to clean this fucking thing all the time or hire somebody to clean it so it's just gonna cost me money to upkeep this thing that i don't even want why did we want this that's the question it's on it's unconscious yeah and i mean you know man it's it's like but that was that was the dream but if you but i just don't think a lot of my great privilege in life, if I want to call it that, and it is, mm-hmm. is that I was able to see a lot of the dreams that I see depicted in media to their fruition yeah. and realize that they weren't what they were cracked up to be. Totally. That they weren't going to make me happy. Totally. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, we talked about that and we talked about this stuff and it's like, yeah, like, you know, this is nice, but... <laughs> It's not, didn't make anybody happy. Right. I mean, it's like, I guess what, like, I guess what's so scary to me is just how, we're kind of sold this idea that we're a failure if none of that happens. That's the part of it that I was going to say. I got on a weird tangent about my parents, but the part of it that I was going to say was this. Think about those three things. You need a house, Mm -hmm. a car. Fuck the car, actually. You need a house and a wife. Yeah. That's what you get sold. You have to earn being sheltered and having love in your life. Yeah, yeah, totally. You don't inherently deserve to be safe and loved. Well, that's what you're told since you're a kid mm-hmm. that two of the things that are, are conditional yeah, yeah sure. that that hey we'll or we'll give we'll give you if you're lucky we'll give you shelter and love for the first 18 years and then you got to go earn it for yourself right or you're on the street and and disrespected and unloved what kind of what kind of cruel ass and and it, the 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 worst part of that message is that like we know, we all know that we live in a society that can easily feed and clothe and shelter everyone. Right. Like, and we know. I always said, say to my parents because we're sitting, we're in my parents' apartment recording this, and we're looking out at the uh, Vancouver. How many of those fucking apartments that we're looking at right now across the water are empty and will be empty for years, that are just real estate holdings, mm-hmm. right? Right now. 
like literally we wouldn't have to build anything new to house every single unhoused person in the city and feed them mm-hmm. like, like we wouldn't have to change anything that doesn't currently exist right now somewhere in the dumpster of like a fucking you know whole foods yeah you know yeah or or just sitting there as an apartment like we don't have to create anything we don't have to we don't need an infrastructure to just make sure that everybody is safe and taken care of and we don't do it because of the way society is structured yeah no absolutely and yeah yeah it's uh i know yeah that's pretty heavy no no (laughs) i mean i'm it's important to say man um the only thing i was going to kind of say that was like um you know uh, uh piggybacking off that is we've got some of the most privileged ass backwards thinking horrible folks who just whatever believe what their parents believe what their grandparents believe etc about about the other um of any kind and and yeah and those are the people who are often um uh the most kind of their voice is the most represented and kind of they they lead the charge in academia oh absolutely so you know there's like oh yeah my so their level of coping their ability to need to um sleep at night um you know so they wind up um you know say they've Mm -hmm. inherited all their wealth but they want the illusion of how hard they worked for it yeah no absolutely so then they teach their kids while walking past a homeless person um that that guy didn't work hard enough yeah and then their kid grows up not questioning that just believing that and then teaches his kid the same thing oh yeah you know and and those are those are the major decision makers of a society are the people who um have the most uh means and the most interest in protecting the status quo yeah i do believe on some level that um it's like you said like absolutely um uh there's so enough for everyone but there are horrible people oh i agree in the world who would feel accosted by sharing space with with these people that they have do deemed less than human but the thing is is they it's so weird that the sequestered nature of it all um because you look at new york right mm-hmm. in new york because of the density of the population and how close poor neighborhoods are to rich ones yeah wall street you know multi-millionaires don't really have a choice but to ride the train with people who are barely getting by and doing a three-hour commute just to clean their toilets right you know what i mean like 
they do share space with those people, mm-hmm. you know, and like one of the most expensive neighborhoods in Vancouver is right next to the downtown east side. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that I do find that interesting, the ways in which we can be right up next to another human being suffering mm. and tell ourselves a fabricated story that allows us to separate ourselves from them. Well, it's it's I think it's an easier one. I think yeah. it goes back to the same thing that you, you spoke of um, in terms of the... Complexities of the world. The yeah. fucking nuance of the world is... Um, uh, I'm really happy that a lesson I learned early on was there was... The difference between me and um, my family and somebody who yeah. uh, had fallen on hard times like that was luck <laughs> yeah definitely it's definitely luck. um like yeah. luck circumstance um uh what like um in in many cases bigotry i mean um, you know what i mean so it's like it it it, it is so like unthinkably horrible to me um to um yeah to 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 teach um anyone that 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 like someone is is less than human and and that and that we have nothing um in common and that person's a cautionary tale yeah like that person's life is a cautionary tale of what could happen if you get into fucking drugs and alcohol yeah and it's like that's yeah it's just i you know i i just thought of something and i thought of all people i should believe in in like hard work makes you you know successful or whatever right because my parents came to this country with nothing like it's the thing that people it's the myth of the american dream like what i was talking about They came to this country with with literally nothing, and and now you know they they're relatively well off. Like they're um, a lot of people would want a lot of what they have, and a lot of people have called me privileged, not from just a whiteness standpoint, but from that standpoint, a lot of my life because yeah. you know we had a large house when I was in high school, and people were like that. They were mean about that. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I mean. I, I very much like I, I still see that all as luck to a certain degree in the sense that like my parents lucked into the genes that they got mm-hmm. and the interests that they had you know like nobody is born of their choosing into the body that they are and inheriting the generational trauma so it's not it doesn't even matter like if you started from relatively humble beginnings because there are tendencies that you inherit right Mm -hmm. and it's like the other thing right is like if i was born into if i if i was born into a situation where i had a congenital disease or like yeah congenital disease or like if i was missing an arm out of Mm -hmm. that that's a more visual one if i was missing an arm out of the womb nobody would say to me like that I deserve that or that I, that I did that to myself, right? Right. But 
my brain also came out of the womb through the same processes of like biological inheritance that my arm did and sure my environment reconfigures my brain and so do my choices but at the end of the day the most of what my brain is just came out of my mother and i had no choice right so how like if i have the sort of like the apparatus to become more prone to certain mental illnesses that are then exacerbated by the society i'm in how is that any different from not having an arm well again it's like you, you like so few people are gonna stop and and listen to what you have to say or, or, or yeah or try to articulate your pain and i think that that is why there's there's such a powerful um goddamn thing about making movies or making music yeah what you force you. people to listen you're going like yeah man he- here's my here's the thing that um i've been trying to uh articulate that you know everybody's been interrupting me <laughs> or or like or, or no one no one took the time to understand or here's you know that like film and music can be these gorgeous lessons in in compassion and, and yeah. um and uh yeah it's 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 trippy how much uh just kind of with with the last thing you said it just it just yeah i couldn't help but think how much people would rather just opt out and not consider um the pain you're in or how they could help and would rather just again i'm trying not to use these like cliches but they're i feel they're a little bit appropriate like put you in a box yeah be like i've made my mind up about you you're this shut the fuck up yeah you know and 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 mental illness is is something where the conversation around it is so sterile compared to the internal conflict yeah and it's so far removed from what's actually going on it's i've been really frustrated with a lot of like mental health um whatever campaigns or Mm -hmm. discourse be so much of it uh exists under the impression that it's something that you should work on (laughs) in your downtime outside of um outside of kind of like an everyday existence and you know with the fucking you know yeah racism homophobia transphobia uh classism like you know um uh just like all the divisions uh in the world like Mm. and then a complete um system of of marketing and propaganda that profits on the idea of us hating ourselves so 
if you're hating yourself, everything's going according to plan. Yeah, for people to make more money. Right, right. And 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 what I just wanted to say was like. The people who raise their hands and say, I'm going through this, are the ones that we want to, like, sequester off and call crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's fucked. The people who address that this thing that we're living in is yeah. making them hate themselves. Yeah. Um, we're like, oh, yeah, like, that, that, it, it's, it's absurd to me, especially, like, in a, in a, um in a kind of how could you not be um traumatized with uh kind of um the circumstances as as they are um that's so much of of, of what we deem mental illness i remember when i was a teenage boy a lonely teenage boy i read a book called the art of seduction <laughs> hell yeah dude yeah no fucking no, way really it, yeah related oh yeah oh yeah. my god give I, me a second here um, um, um what what do you mean give you a I second need to process that well you know like it was during that pickup artist time and like look man like you talk about having a version of yourself in the past that made you cringe <laughs> i never used any of the techniques i just it was a, it was a book that was interesting you used to wear i was you know it was a story it, it, and i thought it was a little classier than the game <laughs> i didn't right know. <laughs> because because it like went through history and it referenced like don juan and marilyn monroe and it had these hey man Listen, like i'm just listening i look i know I'm no no and i'm not trying to change the subject this is related because i i thought that there was this interesting thing that i now interpret very differently in the book this allowance if you will where he said people that have access to like a lot of self-confidence are not easily seduced all right you know, and it, it, it's interesting because that brought up a really good point, which is that you're less, because what you were saying is what you were saying uh, before we talked about the judgment of people who are in a lot of pain, which is also incredibly important. But what you said is that, you know, it, society is doing its job if we're unhappy. Yeah. And so we're more easily marked, even the people writing the books about how to market ourselves to other people sexually. <laughs> You know, and that was like the heyday when those books were being written and being sold and marketed. Those that was like heyday of capitalism and billionaire, right. you know, fetishism and all that. And that was part of it too. Like you can trick people or market yourself into anything. You can market yourself into a woman's pants, mm. right? But even that book, during written during that period, had to make the allowance that people who are happy with themselves cannot be tricked as easily. Yeah. Well, it it, it is a. Um it's a it's a radical uh sort of protest mm-hmm. to, to kind of um like live with any sort of like peace or joy yeah that, absolutely that, that's, you know that's not you know um you know i think you know we were talking about girls earlier the show not yeah. not women uh we were talking about that a lot too but uh and i do think look i think lena dunham online and stuff did a lot of cringe stuff mm-hmm. that we can talk about i also think that 
a lot of people hated her just because she was successful as a woman without being what they considered to be conventionally attractive. I think that's a factor, yeah. And uh, and she was hated because all of these women were, like, starving themselves. Like, women and men. Men were idolizing the Megan Foxes of the world. And again, it, there's tragedy in being beautiful, too, because people never want to get to know the real you, and that's a whole other thing. But men were idolizing this image of a beautiful woman. Women were trying to become that for men. Mm. And then, you know, then Lena Dunham comes along, and she's like, I'm going to make this show, and I'm going to show my body as what it is almost every episode, and I'm going to show, like, the ugliness and the complexities of my, the relationships that I've had and my relationships with my friends. I'm going to put my own bigotry on display and you're going to have to watch it. And basically everything that you told me that I can't do if I want to be successful, I'm going to do. Of course, people are going to hate you. Yeah, it, it's... I have... I have a lot of... Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about her and yeah, me too. the show. Uh but um, I think I think the um, the the lump sum is is that I'm glad that it exists. Me too, and I think the fact that it's mixed like that makes it such an important cultural artifact. Like I think, like for instance, the way that she shoehorned Donald Glover into the second season's premiere. And, I mean, you can go some of the worst writing. I know, but I've ever seen. But it's um, complicated because it's also that show also had some of the best writing I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. The, exactly. Like, um, and yeah, and 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 it it was trippy. Again, confusing. Maybe is the right word to have her write these things that were so clever and next level and and would make you think and and she seemed to have like such a yeah crazy grasp on like on these very very like complicated mm -hmm. uh you know um human condition things and then she would just do something and then she would just like write a salon article that was just like oh yeah insanely racist or like you know what i mean like and yeah, yeah. and like and then i do and whatever like we're all we're all fallible um but um there was uh okay um I'm I'm gonna say two things uh right now that because they're coming up kind of for me at the same time. Okay, same. Um. Her hypocrisy was very very frustrating. Yeah. To me, you know, um, something that comes to mind is um, she had a um, staff writer. That oh. she protected, who sexually assaulted a uh, black, I believe, underage woman who was also writing for the show. Right. And she took that guy's side after a whole 
plot of saying that she was never going to do something like that. Right. So that happened. Mm-hmm. And the hypocrisy is a tough uh, pill to swallow. And I hope wherever she is, um, she's learned some stuff and yeah, uh, atoned for that since. What's the second thing? That um, outside of that, I think as a culture, fearing being a hypocrite as the worst thing you can be mm-hmm. has set us back yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, a lot yeah. because contradicting ourselves um is so fucking inevitable That's... um you know going back on something once you once you fucking learned more and and like yeah. so then you don't have anybody wanting to open their mouth or or be open about anything that they'd ever gotten wrong in the past because then it's the hypocrisy is the precursor to change right isn't it like you you believe something and then you find yourself saying out loud that you believe in something that contradicts it somebody points it out to you and then you have to integrate your beliefs well then you also have like a quite rabid group of people you know whatever their motivations Mm -hmm. they are salivating at the idea of, yeah. of of trying to prove that that's what you are yeah um i know and people and listen like I, I talked about it earlier there's a part of me that gets that because of the ways that we've been um mm-hmm. fucked over by somebody um presenting one thing that felt fishy no and then there's also just nobody wants to be like gotcha precisely and there and there is that aspect too of like you know there are groups of people who like want to do that totally want to you're doing something that maybe um is helpful or beautiful and um and and it's it's in people's nature to go like fuck i gotta find something (laughs) (laughs) that'll make people you know shut the fuck up about this guy or this girl like you know it's like there there is also this thing of like wanting people like wanting in a perverse way for like You know, yeah. just looking at somebody and just being like, you can't be that whatever. Um, I feel that. kind or, or, or sweet or whatever, you know, like there must be something you've done that's shitty. Like, let me yeah, um, go like scour um, the, the online to your the, yeah. no, your private life. Yeah, yeah. or (laughs) well, they're doing that because your private life is like logged as this public thing, um, or or they take it from your public life, but same thing, like all of it, just to get the egg on somebody's face that they are a hypocrite, and that it it's such a bummer to me that like there is a 
that um whatever like it's it's such a minefield to walk to attempt to like be a good person and yeah. and, and be uh an active uh you know citizen who wants to get it right and help people um we all uh, just have to do our best and like, at a certain degree we have to insulate ourselves from that conversation. but check it out like is there not like a argument that like this is probably putting people off from like attempting oh absolutely good things and again just yeah. status quo well i mean yeah like, it's like i see prevails people. again yeah uh, it's like I saw With people. That system, yeah. I saw people trying to cancel James Cameron for appropriation in Avatar, and I got, I understood it, like sure. I did. But I was also like, Wait, so do you, do you? I mean, first of all, that's not going to work. But more importantly, like, what do you want the only blockbuster films to be made to be Marvel movies that are tacit advertisements for the U.S. imperial government? Because, like, unfortunately. Unfortunately, the the stuff that has the perfect message with the perfect nuances just has not come out yet in a form that will reach the entire planet uh, in the way that James Cameron movies can. Yeah, I think that like again, it, it it like it speaks to this like thing of like. Not necessarily that, like, you need to be making something um, to have a say. Yeah. But it is... It is... I think it's... It's very easy to criticize. Yeah, yeah it feels easier to, to just piss on something than, yeah. than, to, uh, than to point out why it's cool. And I think it's, I think it's like a um yeah pointing out what was good about something i don't think is is no, really yeah. rewarded no it's a pretty it's a pretty like well it doesn't feed <laughs> hey, the if you, well it's, it doesn't it, feed the outrage machine no definitely not and also it's i think kind of seen as dorky Oh, absolutely. Just be like, I love this thing so much. And he's like, geez, dude. Like, I hope it's getting better now as we're getting into a post-irony. Like, more and more, we're not making fun of things as much as we're sincerely liking them. But Yeah, you think there's, like, an earnestness that is I think there's prevailing? an earnestness coming back. I think it, you can see it in the movies that are being made and what's winning out, like, in the cultural conversation. Like, I think... You know, Top Gun, Maverick, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, like I said, Avatar, like big, huge movies that did really well this year that are really earnest. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, not like self-referential or jokey or like, you know, there's no barrier. But I was also going to say that we're over three hours now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, we should uh, we should call please it. Please edit this into a 15-minute segment. No, I'm going to. Of just I, me saying, just a super cut of ums. Um, yeah. Like, and um and likes. It's that, it'll and be likes us. and it'll listens. And, and, yeah. um, no, but I know what I'll probably do is split it into two episodes. I think there's probably a lot that's, uh, that's worth gonna... cutting on my <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, um, I, don't, I don't cut this shit anymore. 
All right, man. Because it was all gold. You have no idea. All love, buddy. Um, I love you. Thanks for having me on. And um, always. And uh, there's a lot that um, I've. uh, I was really happy to um, have the time to articulate that um, I otherwise would not have. Yeah, the chance to. It's just, it's it's an excuse more than anything. That's how what I see it as. I mean, if we get to share the conversation, a couple of people listen to it. That's great, but it gives me an opportunity to do nothing but talk to a friend of mine, and that really is a rare thing. So I'm really glad that we got to do this. Me too, man. Uh, best luck. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Oh, sorry, it's the chair. Not me, the chair.